here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everything Evolves, the world's only podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. We're your hosts. We're the wrong boys. I'm Aaron Bentley. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron Like the Car. I'm joined by Aaron Taub. You can find him at AP Taub. I want you all to know that we are, of course, proud members of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, which you can find at VoicesOfWrestling.com or on the podcast app of your choice. I don't think I mentioned it, but our main Twitter account is at EvolvePod. Make sure you're catching us there. And if you're not subscribing on iTunes or through some other podcast uh, application, you can, of course, now get your fix of the wrong boys on Google Play. So make sure to check that out. Okay, Uh, we're going to talk today about Evolve 98 and Evolve 99, the shows uh, that came out this weekend. Uh, But first, AT. What are you up to? Uh, not a whole lot. Went to some uh, wrestling shows this weekend. Yeah. Had a great time. We'll talk about it. Uh, today, I'm uh, observing the holiday. It's uh, We're recording uh, Monday night on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And uh, just hanging out. I was, I was reading the letter from a Birmingham jail. Have you read this thing? Yeah, dude. I I think I read probably like parts of it a long time ago. But in law school, I took this class called uh, the Civil Rights Movement and the Law. It was just about the way that civil rights activists used the law to affect change. And our professor was like really into this letter. And so we all read it at that time and talked about it in depth. Uh, and then I read it today. Yeah, it bangs. Yeah, dude. Like, I don't know. I was just like, I was just like, um, like, it's wild because it's like, I feel like we talk a lot about how good Martin Luther King was. Like, like we sort of deified him as this, like, Christian saint who, like, had only love and absorbed, like, all of the violence that was thrown in his face um, and was always good. But, like, we don't talk about, like, how great he was because, like, this thing is, like, he's a fucking genius, right? Like, you read this letter and it's just, like, like... In, like, five paragraphs, he's like, oh, yeah, like, and it's it's so relevant, right? Like, in five paragraphs, concisely, with, like, good as hell writing, he just basically explains, like, the basis for, like, the Black Lives Matter protest. And, like, just, like, there's so much in it that just is, like, totally, like, you see it throughout the 
the letter just there's so much that's relevant today and i was just like i don't know i try to read it every year on martin luther king day and it's just like it blows me away every time yeah and he's like 34 when he writes this that's letter. so fucked up i have i have, I have uh, six more years to start <laughs> the most morally just movement of all time plan it out carry it through and then write like a banger letter from prison well, I have bad news because he's like 29 when the Montgomery boys bus boycotts start. <laughs> oh so, man, I know. Well, I'm 31, get, so yeah, I gotta like really sort of like get the courage up and uh, and do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's you're right. It's uh, it's mad relevant to today, and that's cool in one way, and also like really sad, I guess, because it shows us how little progress we've made on some fronts, or I guess just the, like the same struggles pop up uh, throughout history, like. So at the very beginning, if you haven't read the letter from Birmingham Jail, you should. Yeah, we'll put uh, a link. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, but, uh, for sure. Sorry for this tangent. Bear with us. Nah, it's cool. It's very cool. Uh, so the whole point is like some uh, clergy people have been criticizing Dr. King about the actual like direct action protests that he's involved in, that he's leading. And so he, he says, hey, I know you have called what I'm doing, quote, unwise and untimely, which is like that's what every demonstrator deals with. Right. I mean, we see that all the time today with Black Lives Matter, with anybody trying to do anything that's actually effective. We hear that. But I thought the really cool part of the beginning of this letter is that he talks about that the only reason he's responding to this, like he's like, look, I get a lot of criticism. The only reason I'm responding to this is because I think you are criticizing me in good faith. And it was a good reminder to me as I read it that we don't need to respond to all criticism or all negative things. Like we spend so much time, especially as it relates to politics, arguing with people who aren't coming at us in good faith. And I thought this was a good reminder that we really should just ignore those people and, and let that roll. Right. Because you're like constantly read like, yeah, every time the president says something racist and everyone's like, oh, yeah, like you're a huge racist. And you have all these yeah. people who are like, no, like, and it's like, oh, you like you like don't care about racism. You don't care. Why are right. we even it doesn't matter to you. We know it doesn't matter to you. Why are we like wasting our time? Yeah, for sure. And it's also like a savage burn on all his other critics. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, you guys. You guys only get half a bar. <laughs> right, it's low key, just like a savage burial, which I really yeah. like. Uh, the other part that really stands out to me is he has this. It's pretty well quoted, but I don't know that people. It's really well quoted in my circles. I'm not sure that like on a mainstream level people point it out, but it's his whole uh, riff about white moderates and how they're like some of the uh, the worst people that he's standing up against. Is or you know that are that are keeping the action from being as effective as possible is the people who uh, you know want to stand in the middle and they they kind of want to pretend that they're allies but they really aren't doing anything to help and how really those are the worst possible people and that's like one hundred percent what we're what we're dealing with today. Yeah, and it makes me like be like, okay, I, like I can't do that. I have to like go out and do things. Like I can't just like. Yes. I can't not like it's like whenever I read it, I'm like, OK, like I got to like put the video games away and like <laughs> get to a meeting or like, I don't know, be productive. Well, I, and, I, you know, I think he's more, I think he's more talking about like Jeff Flake. Uh, sure. Right. Yeah. There's like a lot of points where he talks about like the clergy and there's like all these empty platitudes. And I keep always thinking about like, you know, 
Marco Rubio who tweet like when he tweets like some Bible verse every time right. Donald Trump says something fucked up and then doesn't do anything. <laughs> right. I was like, oh yeah, like it's just the whole thing is like, you know, it's just all it's all there. I should have gone harder. I should have said he's talking about Joe Biden. So <laughs> that's, that's where I should have went. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh We've done the the politics talk on this podcast, I guess. Uh, E.T. is the one who suggested I read the letter today. So I'm much appreciative because it rules. Yeah, it was just like, yeah. And it's also, it's just, I don't know. I think it's important because it's like, he got so whitewashed and you see all these people who never, like all these people who are like, can't stomach like Barack Obama and, you know, Ray McKesson are like, oh yeah, you guys should be more like Martin Luther King Jr. You know, he like you rabble rousers like need to like tone it down. It's like that's like I don't know, it's right? Just like it's yeah. So I always think about that, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's always this thing of like, oh, Martin Luther King never tried to divide people, and uh, you know he wasn't. Uh, uh, you're race baiting, not like Martin Luther King. He just wanted to bring people together. And it's like they only quote that one line from the I Have a Dream speech. Right. It's like, dude, Martin Luther King was an absolute radical. A self assertion In the letter he talks about, he's like, it's not whether we're extremists, but like what kind of extremists are we going to be? So I don't know. That's right. I, I know that these are like off repeated points, like on the left, I guess, but I don't know. I don't know. I imagine there are some people who are listening and they're probably like skipping through this part anyway, but like, you know, who are like, who like don't hear these arguments all the time. Right. And so we were just thinking about it because we're recording on this day and uh, yeah. people don't really observe this day either. Right. They take the day off. They like watch basketball, but they don't really. And the NBA does a really good job. But like if you do other things like it, you like kind of forget why you take the day off. So people like to put the Christ back in Christmas. Uh, we're putting the Martin Luther King Jr. back in Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yeah, dude. Uh, two, two white guys bringing it back. Yeah. Well, we're trying. We're trying. Yeah. We're trying to not be the worst. I do. I just want to say that, like, my favorite part, I think I've said that about every part of the letter. My favorite part yeah. of the letter is the last part where he's like, sorry, this is so long, but I don't really have much to do because I'm sitting in this jail cell. And I just have to confirm for everyone that when you get a lot of letters from people in jail and prison like I do, like, they get really long. Like I have dudes who will write me like 10 pages front and back, uh, single space, you know, not even like college ruled paper. And uh, it's uh, it can be a lot, but you just kind of have to accept and appreciate that. It's like, well, uh, it's cool to talk to people on the outside and be able to get all your thoughts out. So uh, you learn to enjoy it. So anyway, I was trying to make a joke and I ended up feeling like I needed to say something heartfelt. <laughs> <laughs> classic AJB. Yeah, All right. We cool. are going to talk about Evolve on this uh, podcast. We promise. Uh, one of the big bits of news that came out of the shows this weekend is that WWN announced that they will be bringing to Mania Weekend uh, Munanori Sawa, who was on Evolve 1, some of the early Evolve shows, uh, but hasn't you know really been back in this universe since then. And I know that uh, Twitter went nuts. There were a lot of people who were very excited about Munanori Sawa being uh, back in Evolve, particularly Alan Cunahan. So I'm very excited for Alan and uh, Case Low and the people who are pumped to see Sawa. I am going to have to admit that I am a fake geek girl and not that familiar with uh, Sawa. So I look forward to digging back into the Evolve catalog uh, 
to see some of his stuff before uh, we're in New Orleans. Same. Cool. Uh, one other thing, I guess I, maybe we should have talked about this first uh, before we got into Sawa. One other thing, if you're following us on Twitter at EvolvePod. Posted, and why wouldn't you be? Yeah, of course. We posted a poll because AT and I have been talking about the possibility of doing uh, an occasional show where we don't focus exclusively on Evolve, where maybe we talk about some bigger issues that are that don't touch on Evolve, but touch on uh, the larger wrestling landscape. It wouldn't be like a flagship type show where we talk about wrestling, all sorts of other like wrestling that's going on. We don't have any intention of doing that. We just want to talk about stuff that's happening that affects like the business of wrestling that affects and not in a WrestleNomics kind of way. Uh, but uh, because they're already doing that well, what we want to do, for example, there was this big story about CWF mid Atlantic and Brad Stutz. And then Bruce Mitchell wrote a, uh, wrote a report about it. There's a lot of talk about that. I really can't come on here and talk about that at the length that I would like to, because it has nothing to do with evolve. And I know of course, you guys are only tuning in to hear our Evolve takes. So that's the kind of thing we might talk about on a separate show like that. But we really want to gauge whether our listeners would be interested in in hearing that. Yeah, I think that, like, I guess from my my thinking, it's like, I don't know. We have, like, a lot of people who listen to the show because they love Evolve. And then we have a lot of people. Just, we hear from a lot of people that are like, we never watch Evolve. We love the show. And so, I don't know. I feel like it would be good to do a show that sort of blends like my sort of understanding of like media and media criticism and journalism and Aaron's um, understanding of the law and his knowledge of history and, and sort of uh, various class struggles and sort of try to put together a show that like talks about wrestling um, sort of looks at wrestling through those lenses. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of like what we do on this show, but uh, just talking about other stuff. Um, but I don't know. It's just a thing we're thinking about. It depends on like whether people actually want it and also whether we have time. Um, so I don't know. We're, we've just been going back and forth. Thought it might be fun. Yeah, I totally should have let you lead that because your explanation of what the show might be like was way better than what I said. Uh, so I appreciate that. But basically what we want is like, if you're interested in that, let us know. Yeah. If you're and if you're not interested in it, also let us tell know. us. Yeah, we won't do it if if everyone's going to hate it. Right. I mean, I guess what will eventually happen is we'll post a show, and if nobody listens to it, we won't do it anymore. We'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. But anyway, okay. But we just wanted to put that out there. Let us know at Evolve Pod uh, what you're thinking. The DMs are open. You don't even have to do it publicly if you just want to let us know what you're thinking. All right. Well, let's get to these shows. At you were there. You were there Saturday at Laboom and Sunday at St. Finbar's Church uh, in Brooklyn. So I guess what I want to hear, I've other than Mania last year, I've never gotten to see an Evolve show live. So I just want to hear from your perspective uh, what it's like in these in these venues or what it was like this weekend. Yeah, yeah. so let's, I'll, I'll tell you about it. So Laboom is in Queens, and so it's pretty close to me. So I took the cab there. It's in kind of like... Uh, like kind of a weird, very like it's right by a big, not a highway, but like a big main road, like a big artery through Queens called Northern Boulevard. And uh, it's like there's like a lot of car dealerships around if that paints the picture. And uh, Laboom is cool. It's like this bar and nightclub. You've seen it. You know what it's like. Um, this show was interesting because it's like usually I find that the crowd at Laboom 
is really hot all the time. Like they know all the wrestlers, they're there for them. They chant, they're like, they respond to everyone. And this show was weird. It was a little bit of a smaller crowd than I think I've seen there in the past. And certainly down from what they were doing during, you know, the Cruiserweight Classic period when they had Sami Zayn doing autograph signings before the show. And so, yeah, the crowd was a little down. They were kind of um, like quiet at times. Like they popped big. They were really into like the big indie stars. Like they were into Walter and Keith Lee and Matt Riddle and Zack Sabre Jr. But it was like Jaka came out and got nothing, which was crazy because it was like, I don't know, this dude's coming off some great matches and some of them in this building. Um, and then, you know, Darby Allen came out and he got some rece- he got some reception, but not much. It was just really strange. Strange. Um, but then the other thing is, I, I think that they just mic the building really well because I don't know. What did you think of how it sounded um, watching on 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 the live stream? Because from or on the VOD? Because from my perspective, it was like, oh, this this sounds great. If I hadn't been at the show, I would have thought this was like a great, really lively crowd. Yeah, I didn't get to watch uh, Evolve ninety eight live, but I did see your tweets later saying like, ah, the. The show was kind of brought down by the crowd, I thought. And I was like, huh. And then I watched the show on VOD and I was like, uh, I don't know. The crowd kind of sounded like they ruled to me. Like it seemed pretty hot. So it, you must be right that they mic'd it really well. Yeah. Or like I'm just having, I had like a hallucinatory experience. I don't know. It was weird. It was a, sure. a kind of a mind fuck because <laughs> I was at the show and I was like, man, these guys are like not really giving people much um, on their entrances. And then like I went back and watched, I was like, oh no, it's loud. So. I don't know. That was my take that night. Um, the second night was at the uh, the ass end of Brooklyn, but um, that was cool. That neighborhood's like fascinating because you see like the full tapestry of New York City and its dynamism. Like you walk one block and it's like Christopher Colombo Boulevard for all the Italians who came throughout, you know, the 20th century, and then the next block is New Utrecht Avenue for the Dutch settlers. And then you see the neighborhood in the present day and it's like a huge like Asian and and Chinese community with like a bunch of storefronts um, written in uh, in Mandarin. Um, and that show was like that show didn't sound as good necessarily on the VOD, but live it sounded like the crowd was great. Like they popped for everyone who came out. They were like they recognized everybody. They were into it. Um, you know, I went there for Style Battle, too. And both Style Battle and Evolve had a couple people in the front row who were just kind of like uh you know it's like sometimes you go to a wrestling show and some people feel like it's like open mic night you know and um it's like look if you're thinking about starting a chant or doing a joke um i'm not hard to find just kind of run it by me first i can give you some good editorial (laughs) feedback you know if you come to me and you're like hey i'm thinking about doing you know the good burger i'm a dude he's a dude we're all dudes thing But uh, but instead we're all it's we're all bros. Like just I can be like, all right, well I li- I like where you're headed, but I think you need to workshop this a little bit more, and try to bring it back next month, you know, before you do it. Um, That's a really good take, At. What I'm wondering though is, uh, what about people coming to you for fashion advice? Oh, <laughs> like well, maybe it's not you. Like who in the building should people come to about their their fashion accessories mainly? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, well, um, if you watched Evolve 99 or if you bought the video on demand, I encourage everyone to fast forward it right to the part where Keith Lee's giving a promo after the show. 
you will see about three quarters of AT's head uh, with the other quarter being all scarf, uh, a very large scarf. And so uh, some one of our Twitter uh, followers had some real fun with what with approximating what AT looked like in the scarf. Uh, I mean, did did anybody there say anything to you about the scarf, AT? No, because the other people at this event were New Yorkers. They understand sure. winter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm here getting getting chastised by two people who, when like there's like a frosting of snow, they scrape it up from the car windshields to try to make snowballs. <laughs> You know, I mean, you and Tim from Arkansas, it's like, I, it's just like unbelievable. Uh, I can't, you know, you don't even know the first fucking thing about bundling. <laughs> do you even own a pair of long underwear? Uh, of course I do. I mean, so it's just like, I just don't understand. Like, I'm getting all this shit from people who really don't even know what it's like. So the scarf, it's a lovely Islander scarf. It's blue and orange. I'm supporting the squad. Huge win over the Rangers uh, on Saturday, by the way. And, uh, I, I, you know, and it's keeping me warm. And that's what's really important. So, um, you know, if people are hating, you must be doing something right. That's what I always say. Yeah, sure. First, they laugh at you, you know, whatever that thing is. Yeah, yeah, Then you win. Then they buy the same scarf that you have. <laughs> is what you were really trying to say was that you were in Brooklyn and the crowd was, like, full of hipsters? So they were into into what you were doing or... No, I'm just I'm just saying that people, you know, they want to stay warm and they appreciate <laughs> other people who dress appropriately for the weather. Um, so anyway, yeah, had a had a great time. Um, I met a couple of our listeners over this weekend. Um, I'm like, uh, I'm very like, I have a lot of anxiety now that going to these shows after like our kerfuffle with the company because I'm like super anxious that someone's. You know, but going in, I was like, you know, I hope I don't get beat up and I hope the shows are good. And both, <laughs> both of those things were true. The shows yeah. were good. I didn't get beat up. Okay, nobody um, beat you up, but were you approached by anyone related to Evolve? No. And I don't know. Like, I was I was definitely there. And I imagine some people may have known it was me. But no one, no one from the company said anything. But I did, after Saturday night, um, I was like getting into a cab and the cab driver did a thing where he like booked an Uber ride and a Lyft ride at the same time. And so I was just in the cab and then a dude who came up and was also supposed to have the cab. And I, it was like there, I was talking to the driver and I made like kind of a face. I was like, Oh dude, like, I'm sorry. Like I didn't plan this. Like, uh." and then he was like, Hey, I recognize you from, I listen to your podcast. And I just lost my shit. I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to our dumb podcast. You know? I mean, like, he didn't even say it was good. He just said that he listened. I was like, oh, it's amazing. Like, you're going to Long Island City. I'm going to a store. You should get in. We can, you know, take the cab there. They can drop you off first. And he was like, nah, it's cool, man. (laughs) Uh, So that guy made my night. And then uh, for the Brooklyn show, uh, we got, I got a DM, like a tweet Saturday night from this dude. He's like, hey, like, um, you know, what's up? Uh, can you can you follow me back really quick? I want to DM you. So I follow him back. And he's like, hey, like, I am a fan of the podcast. Um, I'm not trying to watch porn with you. Um, just uh, It's just I'm going to the show with a couple of my friends. They're all straight edge. Uh, I rolled a couple joints. 
Um, and, uh, you know, do you want to meet me before the show and, and smoke or whatever? And I was like, I'd love that. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for reaching out. Um, so yeah, so I saw, I met this dude, Adam. He was awesome. Um, I hung out with him and some of his friends during style battle. And then his friends and me and my friend went to get uh, Chinese food, uh, between the shows. Um, and he was super chill. And, uh, it was funny because like, um, when I first ran into him, when I first like met him, he was like, yeah, I feel like podcasters are the new rock stars. And, uh, I just That's thought true. that, the, oh, I thought it was like an absurd thing to say. Cause like, <laughs> I mean, maybe like successful podcast, maybe like Mark Marin is like a rock star, uh, or even a Joe Lanza, even like a, a like a set, like a, someone who's like making money from their podcast. <laughs> you know, I just thought that was ridiculous. Um, well, there are and, definitely uh, podcasts that are doing like a million downloads, right? And nobody's yeah. selling a million records anymore. Yeah, but yeah. like, but not ours, you know. And uh, <laughs> I mean, so yeah, don't tell um, people all our numbers, please. Yeah, so this dude, this dude was chill. His name's Adam, and he was like telling me, he's like, yeah, I make music. You know, it's like it's pretty chill. Um, and then like I got home, and it turns out that this guy is like actually kind of a real rock star. Um, like his music is like. Uh, he goes, he, he makes music under the name, uh, Wicca phase springs eternal. And he makes like, um, it's like, he sings like emo over like rap and trap beats. And like, it's pretty good. Like I'm into like, it's pretty spacey and like, I'm definitely going to like smoke a joint to it at some point or like <laughs> do my content marketing writing. Like it's, it's pretty, it's pretty chill. And, uh, He's he's a member of something called the Goth Boy Click, and he's like kind of famous. I found out, so it's kind of funny that he was like, "I feel like podcasters are the new rock stars," but that this person's like actually legitimate. Right. Like you can go on YouTube and look this dude up, and there's video of him and like you know on this huge stage like doing his music, and uh, you know everyone singing along knows all the words like in like, yeah. you know, a hundred people in a club. Do you think if we did a show in a club, like a live podcast that uh, we could get that many people into it? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, yeah. I checked out a couple of his songs after sure. you told me this story. Yeah. And my, like my point of reference when you were telling me this story was that another member of Gothwood click was Lil peep. Who, yes, right. See, I had never heard about any of this. Like, I didn't know okay. anything about, like, the goth boy click or, like, the emo rap movement. Like, it was totally new to me. And, like, it was just this dude who, like, I hung out with his show. And then I, like, went home and, like, went online. I'm like, oh, this is, like, like my friend Drew was a music writer. And I was like, Drew, have you, like, heard of this dude? He's like, oh, my God. Like, I'm obsessed with this guy. Like, his, like his, <laughs> he was in this old emo band, like Tiger Jaw, and they're amazing. And it was just, I don't know. It was just, like, kind of a mind-blowing experience. Before Case Low comes for you, it's Tiger's yeah. Jaw. Tiger's Jaw. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I checked. Well, so you told me the story. I was like, Goth Boy Click, Lil Peep. Um, and I was like, all right. I, I checked out some Lil Peep before. And there were parts of it that I, that were cool. But it like the whole package just wasn't for me, like not my thing. Sure. And so I checked out this dude much more my vibe uh, than Lil Peep because it's way more. It's a lot more emo. Like, yeah. In, in like the non uh, pejorative way of using that term uh, than Lil Peep. 
So, yeah, I would have been into Tiger's Jaw when I was really into that kind of music. And so I, I could see myself like I like to listen to really spacey stuff when I'm writing at work. Mm-hmm. I could see me turning this stuff on and writing to it for sure. Yeah. And the Adam rules like he was like uh, he knew like he and all his friends were like really deep in the bubble too, like or where oh, I was nice. like knew like, like I was telling them about my intro to peer my peer over dummies EVD I was watching and they were like this is like little baby shit to us like they didn't say that <laughs> but it was definitely like like you could tell like they'd watched a lot of stuff and were really like had seen like everything I had seen they were like oh like that match they were just like yeah They're like telling you the spots yeah yeah, yeah. it was sick <laughs> so um it's yeah so that was just like a funny and amazing thing that happened because of this podcast is like dumb podcast and it was cool <laughs> and uh you know i feel like i don't want to jump the gun because we just met but yeah. um i do feel like we're kind of goth boy click affiliated oh yeah you know not like you know it's like nick gage is like mdk <laughs> right. you know, that's his gang we got our right. gang gbc uh, so yeah and, and definitely uh definitely check out uh wicca phase springs eternal and uh, and Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail. Those are our two recommendations for the week. We're really covering the gamut here. Yeah. On, on everything involves. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to talk about the wrestling now? I guess. I mean, I'm kind yeah. of feeling I feel like story. I feel like we kind of hit all the highs. I mean, that's just a joke, though, because there were some this wrestling owned. I'm really, really, really yeah. excited to talk about it. Do you want to talk about the main event of the first night first and then go backwards? Or is sure. that like? Yeah, first I wanted to say about Evolve 98. Yeah, we can just talk general thoughts, I guess. Or... It, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like people disagree with me on this. But I thought this show, wrestling-wise, like destroyed uh, the second night. Like, I really loved this show. There were I had a lot of uh, matches rated uh, extremely highly. And I don't know. I just, this was a great wrestling show. Yeah. I think that you're right. I think I had more fun at the Brooklyn show because it felt like the crowd was better and it was like yeah. a better time. But um, I, um, I really, um, but yeah, no, the wrestling was more consistent, and even its peak was higher. I think maybe yeah, it was a, yeah. It oh. depends on what you fuck with. It depends on what you want. For me, right, uh, Zack Saber Junior versus Darby Allen was a better match than Zack Saber Junior versus Walter. Right. I mean, those are definitely the two high points of the weekend, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I think you agree with that. So, yeah, it just depends on which one kind of hits you better. Uh, I, I think I would agree with that. Let's talk about Zach yeah. and Darby. This was the main event of Evolve 98 uh, for the Evolve Championship. And, of course, if you haven't been paying attention, this is a long-term story of Darby going from the guy who jumps off of things to wanting to be considered a legit wrestler and a legit contender. So uh, after winning the three-way that uh, let him have the opportunity for any match that he wanted, he immediately decided to challenge Zack Sabre Jr. And uh, this is the match that we got. So in the end, uh, Zack defeats Darby Allin via ref stoppage uh, as uh, Zack is putting the the submission works to Darby. So I think what I'm hearing from you is that this was your favorite match of the weekend. Yeah, this was, I think, the best, like, full piece. I was like, on aggregate, this was the best full piece of pro wrestling art that Evolve has produced, like, since I've been following it in the Grapple Fuck era. Because uh, cause 
I just thought this was excellent. I think that. And, and you're like, talking about going all the way back to the beginning of this story. Right. This match was the culmination of an eight month story where like eight months ago, they made a bet on Darby Allen. And this was a dude who was young in the business, who his whole deal was he just jumped off a of shit and it would kill himself for, for fan a- approval. And uh, he just like, uh, you know, Eight months ago, when when Darby Allen came out and Ethan P- and challenged, you know, Zack Saber Jr. after the Ethan Page match after he'd been injured, I did not want to see this. I thought that it was way too soon. I did not think that Darby Allen, uh, you know, could could have a great match with Zack Saber Jr. But they made this bet, and they stuck it out, and they stuck with Darby, and he just has grown so much in the last eight months, um, as far as his character and this this sort of this extremely driven kind of off his rocker underdog um, who's living out of his car to train and making the, the grilled chicken in the, in the, you know, on the George Foreman grill in the gym bathroom. And he's grown as his character. And he's grown as a wrestler. I mean, he's, he's much smoother. His, his, his grappling is better. He doesn't have to do all the crazy shit to get over. He's really good. And so they bet on him. They stick it out. And there were times, I mean, there were times where like the match against Thatcher in August was like, uh, I don't know, you know, where you're like, is this going to work out? And uh, they put him in this big spot and he just absolutely positively knocks it out of the fucking park. This was an extraordinary performance from Darby Allen. His selling was incredible. I mean, the visual of his, you know, his, you know, the the runny face paint and his face in agony as Zack Saber Jr. is just toying with him. These these very disrespectful kicks to the head, um, and and he just sold well, and he kept up with Dar- with Zack in the ring. I mean, the story of this match was that like Zack was a step ahead in their grappling, and would would win most of, most of those exchanges, but Darby hung with. You know, like he would he would almost catch him in a guillotine and, and he would stay with him. Um, and he was so quick. He was so quick and fluid, like the art matched the life. Right. He really became this very like at the beginning, it was just like kind of chaos. And it was like the wrestling was the stuff he had to do to get him between the crazy spots he was doing. But here it was just everything was was seamless and fluid. And uh, and this match was just great when he, you know, when he went for the let, when he finally he countered out of Zach's European clutch and went for the um, the the Last Supper uh, pinfall combination, a move that they've built over these past eight months. Right. They built this finisher as a thing that when you see it, you're like, oh, shit, this is the end. And and I, I bit I thought he was going to win. And uh, Zach kicked out a two and a half. And uh, it, this was just. From start to finish, this was an excellent story. It was, it was just a, it was just a great piece of pro wrestling, and um, and, it's, and and also, I mean, there is not enough that can be said about Zack Saber Jr. Uh, he's so good at putting these matches together. He's such an asshole. I mean, when he's stomping Darby's leg and he's. He's just, I mean, there's a moment where he hits a PK and he goes to cover Darby and the look on his face is just this perfect look of like, okay, motherfucker, it's done now, you know? And, and, and then Darby kicks out and you're so, 
satisfied to see him. And I just, um, you know, this, this, this New York crowd that loves him so much was chanting, you know, you're a dick. Cause of uh, just, I mean, you hear so much, like, I feel like he's almost underappreciated at this point. You hear so much shit about he's skinny and it doesn't look realistic and he's not a technical wrestler. He's just a guy who does technical moves. And it's like, who gives a shit? Watch the matches, watch this story. Uh, this guy just takes everybody to the next level. I mean, we'll talk about it more when we get into sort of like the next night against Walter and sort of his common opponents. But like, like this match with Darby was incredible. And, and, and the matches against Jocko were amazing. And against Leo Rush and Ethan, like all these guys just have, you know, their best matches with Zack Sabre Jr. He's just, I mean, he's great. And, uh, and I know that we're biased because we love his politics, but re- I mean, this is just, if this run were happening in the WWE or Ring of Honor, I mean, maybe not New Japan because there's just so many dudes having runs like this there. But in any other company in this country, if someone were having this run, we'd be hearing all about it constantly because we are watching. And we'll talk more about this Walter match, too. I, maybe I'm blowing my load by talking about this now. But, like, uh, it's a hell of a fucking run for Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, I think the people who are, who are getting off these takes about Zack and his, his storytelling or his psychology in the ring, I don't think they've watched him in two or three years. Like, there was a time when Zach was kind of doing cool moves. Uh, but he's he's grown so much and progressed so far. And I think he's legitimately one of the very best in the world at this point. From a storytelling, in-ring standpoint. I mean, in this match, I mean, tell me it doesn't look real or doesn't look like he could hurt somebody. I mean, it looked like he could kill Darby. Absolutely murder him. I mean, what I love is that Zach's way of showing that he's cocky or that he knows that this guy isn't on his level is to try to kill him. He doesn't like, "Eh, I'm just going to go through the motions because, you know, I can easily beat this guy. He's like, you know what? You don't deserve to be here and I'm going to punish you for this. That's how the match starts. I'm just going to punish you for even thinking you can get in the ring with me. Now, eventually that becomes him becoming a little too um a little too cocky in that that other perspective of like uh you know I can finish this guy like when he like when he tries to pin him by standing on him you know like and that allows Darby to get back in the match because Zach switched over from just straight up killing him to playing with him and that allowed Darby to come back now like you were saying Aaron the Darby, the story was that Darby could survive. You know, Zach has already set up this story that you have to show that you can hang with him in the ring to show that you can be a star in this company. And that's what Darby did. He showed that he could survive, uh, but ultimately he didn't have enough to win. He didn't have enough to beat Zach, which is perfect, right? It's like, I don't know, Evolve doesn't do enough of these super long-term stories it's like the reason i love new japan is because we have these stories that pay out over like two years and you can really get invested in it uh, but this was that and it, it is going to go forward like hopefully one day darby will beat zach and pay it all off and it will be like 
I hope it's in the best possible crowd, you know, under the best possible circumstances and the people can just go nuts because what we saw at the end of this match was that Darby earned Zach's respect. You know, he, he finally looked at Darby like, okay, you belong here. Uh, you are part of the future of this company. I, I mean, uh, I just don't know how you couldn't fall in love with everything uh, that you saw, especially uh, in the confines of this match. Yeah. And then the other thing, too, is like there are different kinds of cockiness. And I think Zach's cockiness like elevates the other guy in the match in a way that like or it makes you care about them in a way that like it's not like he's just too cool for school. It's like he's just those those kicks, those like halfway kicks that are just so they look nasty and they're just so disrespectful. You know, or getting on his knees to slap Darby or having him in a submission is just bashing his knee into the ground. I, this was just, yeah, this was this was great. This was a great match. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like. I want to, like, go watch this again right now. I'm, like, yeah. so pumped just talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and, and uh, Lenny Leonard was great in the buildup, sort oh, of yeah. telling the story at the beginning of the match and being like, you know, who would have ever thought a year ago, if you would have told me that a year ago that Darby would be in this title match, I would have told you you were crazy. He was just this kid from a seminar. I, it was just, I, it was just like, yeah, this was, this was art. This is fucking art. And I, I tweeted it and I'll say it again. Um, we live in the dumbest time period imaginable, the stupidest period in all human history. But it is a blessing for me to be able to watch so much of Zack Sabre Jr. and John Tavares in their primes and just to like get to witness greatness. So yeah, this was awesome. Zack came out at the beginning of the match to a a new theme music, which it seems he's already abandoned about, you know, the best way to scare a Tory is to read and get rich. Uh, He's a complete package folks. There's like five people typing in John Tavares to cage match right now. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, Okay, so after this match ended, Austin Theory comes out and attacks Zack Sabre Jr. by hitting uh, the Ataxia, his his newer finisher. Um, there's some Jason Kincaid involvement where Kincaid comes out, and this is supposed to be the moment where he snaps and he attacks Theory. What I'm more interested in from this uh, segment is that we really have these two things that are, are coming at each other which are, who's going to beat Zach? Is Austin Theory the guy to take the title from Zach, or are they ultimately going to pay off this uh, Darby Allen story? What do you think, AT, as far as where we're going on with these two uh, trains on a collision course? Man, I don't know. And I think either of them are great choices, right? Or, like, the best choice I feel like is Darby beats him and then loses almost immediately to Theory, and then Darby chases Theory. Yeah. Um, because I think those two guys are like the future of this company. Um, what what rules is that? Yes. What rules is that they have these two guys in this kind of triangle with Zach? And it's one of the most exciting stories going on in wrestling, to be honest. If you're not watching this, you're really missing out. This is uh, one of the things I'm most excited about in wrestling, period. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. Um this post-match angle, though, was like, <laughs> uh, for as good, this was a questionable, you can't even, I can't be mad because because you're just like, this was great. 
this was such they like nailed that they hit this out of the park but the post-match angle like i have no idea why you wouldn't just leave darby out have zach get attacked another time do the kincaid theory stuff any other time let darby just soak in the affection of the crowd you know you know have zach roll out of there and let darby just kind of stand up and get to his feet and get the applause uh but they didn't do it uh nobody cared about Jason Kincaid coming out and attacking Austin Theory, you could have heard that was obvious on the. Everyone yeah. was like, "I guess this is happening." I'm getting up to leave. I'm putting on my huge scarf. You know, I'm ready to go. <laughs> like, yeah, that was just. I mean, that and that was like the payoff to a long angle that just like has not worked. I guess like because that was supposed to be a big thing, right? Kincaid finally snaps and attacks Austin Theory, and you know hits him with his double stomps, and this is like the conclusion of this long story of like, will he or will he not lose his cool? And at times I was like into this story, but now it's like, I wish they would have just kind of wrapped it up already. Cause I'm just, I'm ready for theory and Darby and, and theory and Zach and theory and Fred. Yeah. Like, uh, he's like the Austin theory rival who I'm like fourth most into right now. Yeah. I, I could not care less about Jason Kincaid. I mean, I've been, on this train for a while on this show, but uh, I really don't care about him. You could tell the crowd didn't care and uh, I just want him to go away. So yeah. Or find something different, find a different, I don't know. I feel bad. Cause it's like, I don't want to just like shit on this dude. Um, but yeah, I just like, it's, this isn't working. And the sooner that they figure out a different way to go with him, if there is a way to go with him, the better, I think. I mean, he's been in this company for, what, like a year now? And I don't think he's ever been over with this crowd. A little bit. I mean, there are times where he's, like, kind of over, or people are, like, into the thing. And then the next night, like, people were really into Booing Theory, and it, they, they were, like, kind of into Kincaid. Uh, but I just, like, it's just not um, – I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they know, too, right? That he's not where they need him to be if they want him to. He's not over to this push right now. No. And he's stalled out in his progression as a wrestler. Like, I don't think he's gotten any better as a wrestler since he's been in Evolve. No. And you can't say that for any of these other guys. I mean, I think Theory came in after him. Yeah. Uh, Darby around the same time or before him. But they have gotten both so much better as wrestlers. Yeah. And They're it's legit, to, like, top-tier indie wrestlers. Right. And it's hard to stick around in this company if you're not at a certain working level. And he's got to be one of the lowest-level regulars. Yeah. For Evolve. I mean, and, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean he's a bad wrestler, and it certainly doesn't mean he's a bad dude. It just means that he's not on the, the same level as most of the other guys in this company. Yeah. And so I guess he does have this one interesting story going on at least i find some interest yeah in i think so yeah it's which nice. is nice transition back to the beginning hmm. of the show which is how uh they're dealing with these prelims now right so the show starts with a four-way freestyle brody king versus snoop strikes versus jared 120 versus jason kincaid and the story here is that if jason kincaid loses he's got to go back to the prelims and whoever wins uh, is going to be uh, is not going to be in the four-way the next night, right? So 
I kind of like that, like this idea of relegation and and how the hierarchy is going to play out. And unfortunately for Kincaid, it makes sense that he's kind of fighting for his spot in the company. So that makes him interesting for a second. Yeah, like, and that's the thing too. It's like, he's not like, like, I'm kind of into him feuding with Jarek on the undercards. Like, that's, I'm cool with that. I just, I just think it's time for Austin Theory to be on to big. He doesn't belong with all, in there with Austin Theory. Is, yeah, I think that's fair. And this story is interesting. In these four-way matches, his, his spots sort of play better in kind of like a wild and wacky four-way or something that's going to be kind of a shorter match. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I wasn't familiar with Brody King or Snoop Strikes. Mm-hmm. Snoop Strikes is uh, apparently the ACW light heavyweight champion. He was trained by Jay Lethal. I thought he was very cool. He did some some really nice stuff. Uh, Brody King, I didn't know anything about. Uh, I'm calling him Chubby Tommy End. You can uh, take that or leave it up to you. But he did remind me a lot of Tommy End, at least in look. Sure, he lo- he just he has a lot of tats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but he had a similar. He even had a similar body style, just a little bigger than Tommy End. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure he's in a band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That's what the dudes from the music scene that I was sitting with at Style Battle were telling me. One of them, the guy who directs the music videos for Wicked Face Springs Eternal, was like, oh, like I shot one of Brody King's band's concerts. All right. Yeah. So Getting all the scoops. I know, man. So I I thought thought this was... was right. What's that? Brody King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was into him. Yeah. I was into him. This match was was fine. Um, yeah, I had to downgrade it a little because I hate like the f- spots that people do in every four way, and so I was just like, oh, like just do your stuff and get it in and get out. Um, but I, the finish was really cool. Like Snoop Strikes is going for it was either a Code Red or a Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> I get right. them mixed up. Uh, yeah. But then, so he goes for the pin out of the move, but Kincaid hits the double stomp off the top rope and pins him to win, which I thought was a cool finish. Yeah, I thought so too. It was a neat finish, and like Kincaid sold the win well. He was like, yeah, like you could tell it was a big win. He got his, he he beat, he won the match with Jarek in it, so he like gets the one up on his rival. Right. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, that was cool. Um, Jarek goes to hit Kincaid after the match, but Kincaid does the bowing prayer thing and, and Jared stops. Shouldn't he have had some sort of like uh, magic trick to make him drop his hands, or mm. or maybe he could have yeah. kissed Kincaid? Could have kissed Kincaid. Could have done a little uh, little kino, a little cocky and funny. Just kind of get Kincaid into a place where he's willing to do things that he otherwise wouldn't be willing to do, right. which is cool and what you should do. Absolutely. Good. Yeah, and I, th- I think Jared should really on his vision board. He should put like kiss Jason Kincaid. Like, that should be on his list. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm totally here for it. Okay, so after that, Chris Dickinson comes out, and he he's pissed. Oh, he's cleanly shaven, and he's pissed. I'm not sure how the two of those go together, but they did on this night. And he says he wants, he wants the end. Uh, of course, you know, this comes back from last month and the issues that he was having with the end. Uh, Jaka and Stokely Hathaway come out. Stokely gets on the mic and, you know, tells Chris to chill out a little bit. There are bigger things to worry about because Jocko, of course, later on in the show has a non-title match with Keith Lee. Uh, Stokely says, Jocko, for this night only, I'm going to let you use my personal dressing room and living single 
is going to be on the big screen. I got to say, I enjoyed how much the crowd was into Living Single. Yeah, they popped big for it. They really did. I know nothing about it. I've never seen it. Have you ever seen Friends? Yeah. Okay, this is Friends, but better. And and before Friends. Okay, all right, cool. Anyway, it rules. Um, Friends kind of sucks, though. Okay, but imagine if it were cool. All right. I'm imagining it. <laughs> Sorry, we've had enough tangents. We can get back to the Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Stokely also says that he's excited because RingConf uh, will soon be under the Stokely Hathaway franchise. Did you think that the Dirty Daddy gave Stokely a skeptical look when uh, when Stokely said that? Um, I didn't catch it. I oh, well, you, you were there live, so yeah. it would have been harder for you to say. Yeah. I watched right. it back on tape, but I didn't quite... I'm trying to remember, but I, I, I don't yeah. think I put it in my notes. I just, I wonder if, you know, I look, I uh, read too much into things sometimes, but I wonder if there is some simmering tension with Stokely chasing after Tim Thatcher and Ringkampf and uh, maybe that he's uh, ignoring the Catchpoint boys a little. Buddy, I just wonder. Buddy, there's always simmering tension. <laughs> Catchpoint. And Catchpoint. <laughs> That's true. I'm sorry. But we need to know whether it's a positive piece or a negative piece, whether it's, you know, the tension that brings about the positive piece or whether it's a negative piece that's just, you know, they're covering over the tension, uh, you know, negative piece, it's the absence of tension. <laughs> well, they have a new T-shirt, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how that plays in. Ringkampf yeah. comes out. Stokely gives Walter an envelope uh, that apparently has a contract in it. And, you know, Walter does the uh, should I sign or shouldn't I sign type thing. Walter, of course, tears up the envelope, throws it at the Dirty Daddy and, uh, you know, makes the motion that he's coming after Dickinson's tag titles. Uh, Dominic Garini and Tracy Williams kind of hold Dickinson back. You got a feel for Stokely. You know, Tim, he loves Tim Thatcher and Thatcher just he's moved on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Literally bigger things. Mm. That's true. I do feel for Stokely. Yeah. I, you know. Pray for Stokely. Pray for Stokely. Yeah. Pray for emoji. (laughs) Then we get Thatcher and Walter versus Tracy Williams and Dominic Garini. Ultimately, Walter pins Tracy Williams after an assisted powerbomb. Okay. Uh, Is this the match I said was going to suck? Yeah. You said both Thatcher matches were going to be were going to suck, and uh, you were wrong on this one. I was super wrong. Hashtag wrong boys, wrong boy click. Um, this ruled. Uh, I went a strong four stars on this match. Like what I really loved was uh, Walter's kind of house on fire offense. That's not really what we've seen out of Walter in Evolve thus far. He's kind of had some of these like slower, more brutal matches, but this was just. Whenever he was in the ring, it was 100 miles an hour, and it was great. Thatcher tried to screw it up a little bit when he that, that last tag that he took, where he was like, "Oh, I'm going to do these like shitty European uppercuts," and nobody cared. And I thought the crowd kind of died out a little. Well, Laboom hates Thatcher, so I, I'm correct about that. Uh, but Walter got back involved, finished it off, and uh, this was great. Yeah, I mean Walter's. What a hot tag Walter is. Um, but yeah, I thought everyone was good. I thought that the Garini uh, Thatcher 
grappling stuff that started the match was really good. It was like, oh, this is it's good because it's like a dude who can grapple with Thatcher, and then it's a tag match, so eventually like it has to stop. Um, and so like that was cool and good. Um, I thought that um Tracy Williams, this is one of the better Tracy Williams performances in recent memory. I thought like when he got tagged in the match, he was hyped up and he's laying in the stomps and doing his like springboard stomp thing where he pushes up on the ropes. Um he did a six one nine, which was cool. Yeah, I thought Tracy was really good here and he he worked really I think Thatcher and, and Tracy Williams sometimes I feel like um uh work a little slow. Our friend Oaken on Twitter was talking about how it's like it forces these the tag match forces these dudes to work a little faster. And uh I think he's he's right and they definitely came with a um sort of a, gr- a greater sense of urgency in this match. Um so yeah, this was a ton of fun. I thought I love the spot of uh you know Walter picking up uh Greeny and dumping him on Tracy to break up the submission. Um yeah, this was a fun, exciting match. And uh I also thought that like like Tracy Williams did a nice job of like I don't know how much how hard it is to sell these things. Like I don't know if you actually just like when Walter hits you, you it's like you're being shot out of a cannon. But he certainly like acted like he was getting shot out of a cannon every time he got chopped across the chest. So I thought he looked good um in doing that. So yeah, I thought this was a great match and uh yeah, would I would love to see both. I'd love to see Ring Comp back and continue to be a tag team, and I would love to see uh, Tracy Williams and, and Dominic Garini continue to tag up. I think that these two teams would be very good for this tag division. Yeah, we know you know Walter's going to be there in April, so presumably he's going to be with Evolve at least until then. Uh, no idea after that, but it, it was pretty clear here that Thatcher and Walter are going to challenge. Uh, Dickinson and Jocka for the tag titles at some point. And that sounds awesome. Like, I can't believe how excited I am for that match. Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't, I agree with everything you said about Tracy. I'm still kind of meh on Garini. Nothing he did here really excited me. I'm going to seek out this week some Dominic Garini uh, match recommendations. and Some of his AIW stuff and see what's up. Yeah, I'm going to try to get some people to give me some good recs and see if I can get into Dominic Garini. Yeah. Um, the friend that I went to the show Saturday night with, um, uh, my friend Jeremy, he was saying that Dominic Greeny looks kind of like, um, you know, like a meteor Dave Meltzer. So, uh, <laughs> all right. That's certainly a take. Think about it. Look up the photos <laughs> and, uh, I think it's there. Okay. I'll, I'll have to look into that while I'm looking for match recommendations. I'll also be comparing photos of the two of them. Sounds good. After the match, the end came out and attacked catch point. Um, I wasn't sure where we were going at first because uh, Dickinson kind of got there's a breaking news really Uh quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Evolve has announced a match for WrestleMania weekend. Okay. It'll be uh, Muninori Sawa and Daisuke Sakamoto versus Walter and Timothy Thatcher. That'll be at Evolve April. Uh, that'll be the Thursday show, April 5th at 8 p.m. Oh, shit. So. Uh, did you say that's the Thursday show? Yep. Okay. That's cool. Uh, Sekimoto is a great tag worker. So I think that will kind of play to his strengths. I'll, I mean, he's mm-hmm. a good singles worker, too. Great singles worker. But he's really good in uh, tag teams. Maybe I have no clue if he and Sawa have worked together um, or have worked at all, period. So 
That sounds great. I'm excited about that. Yeah. So there you go. Got to get my tickets for the Thursday show. Because I was thinking, I think that's up against the WrestleCon Super Show. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'd like to see those other dudes. But now I'm like, oh, I love Evolve. Evolve's on a roll right now. I hate to like not get to see a single WrestleCon show, but that's what we're looking at. Um, but I can't remember what's going on on Saturday, like in the afternoon. Uh, because Progress is at 12. And I, I think we have yeah. tickets to that. Yeah. And then we're going to Ring of Honor at 8. Yeah. Or 7 or whatever it should, whatever they run. Uh but I, I like the middle of the day is free, so I'm not really sure what's going on at WrestleCon. Anyway, cool. Uh, yeah, so what this ends up with is kind of Dickinson is laid out in one corner, Perot's laid out in the other corner, and then they kind of get up, and uh, Dickinson uh, bashes Perot with a chair, and then suddenly it's a match, and we're going to have a no disqualification match with uh, the Dirty Daddy and Perot. Uh, I'm really curious, AT, to get your your take on this match. I thought it was good. I thought it was like a fun plunder brawl um, with a lot of like silly chair spots. You know, a lot of like throwing chairs into the ring, you know, kind of like a ta- you know, an homage to the public enemy moment. Um, they certainly beat each other up enough and there was a lot of chair stuff. Um, it was good. It was like a it was like what it should have been. It's like it was a you're like, oh, don't know, like, um, how much I. Usually, you're like, oh, do you want to pin Perot in the first, like, sort of the official, the end match, and then it's like, well, Dickinson is the title shot the next night, so you like don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, Dickinson was pretty vicious, uh, choking Perot with the broom and and uh, doing all that stuff. I thought it was an interesting take in the sense that, like, um, you know. Perot in the end have always had like the the element of surprise in their fights with Catchpoint, and now it's like when Chris Dickinson's ready, like he can handle him. Um, so I thought that this was a good match. I thought Perot looked good. I thought he looked like a little tentative at times. Like there are times where he does stuff that should look a more like when he did the power bomb through the like two chairs. Like that was something that maybe should have looked more. It didn't look as vicious as you would expect that spot to look. It seems like he's still a little bit tentative in some of the things that he does. Like, like he's almost like doesn't want to do it all the way. Cause he's worried about hurting someone. Cause, cause he doesn't know about like the te- technique, but maybe that's, that may be like over analysis on my part, but um, I try not to com- like comment on like criticize the mechanics as much. Cause it's like, you know, it's like the magic tricks we, we muggles don't understand, but that's what it looked like. To- Did you see that too? Or was that like my yes. imagination? No, I think, I definitely saw something there of like they got thrown off for a second. I wasn't sure exactly what was happening. I could have been, yeah, that he that Perot was being tentative. Uh, so I wasn't really sure about that. But there definitely was a hiccup. Before yeah, oh, well, the hiccup, the hiccup, the hiccup was that um, Dickinson threw him the chair and was going to do like a Van Terminator kind of spin kick, right. but then he dropped it, and then Dickinson like picked it up and threw him the chair again, and then he did it. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I just oh, mean... Just, like, I'm, I'm not power. Yeah. I felt okay. something there, like a little hiccup. Yeah. But um, I, I can't say what it was. I'm mm-hmm. kind of with you. As a non-wrestler, unless it's just obvious, I try not to... Yeah, uh, even though I just did it. No apologies. Yeah, yeah, I do it sometimes. But so, bizarrely, I don't know. I love this match. Really? You loved it? I went four stars on it. Oh, wow. Because I was like, this is good. I enjoyed it. But I, I wasn't like four stars. Yeah, it's like... 
I don't know. It, Dickinson was really brutal. Uh, the match, it's a no DQ match, and it seemed dangerous at times. Like it felt like somebody could get hurt. And to me, what, I know how you feel about reading matches, but when I'm reading matches, I try to think like, did this accomplish what it was trying to accomplish? Oh, it definitely did. Right. And uh, if they could make me seem like make me concerned at times about what was going to happen, like when when Perot had uh, Dickinson up for that like tombstone or whatever it was going to be, you know, off the stage, I was like tense. It's like, oh, what's going to happen here? You know, I wasn't expecting a dick grab to uh, to end that spot, <laughs> but you know, you do what you got to do. Um, but I thought I thought the fans were really into the match, like the mm-hmm. crowd seemed into it. Yeah, uh, the finish was. Really cool, I thought. Yeah. Like, it worked for me. The Pazuzu bomb on the pile of chairs. Yeah, that was sweet. Yeah. That was cool. so, yeah, that was cool. I just thought everything they went for worked in the match. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how to downgrade it that much because uh, I just I thought they did what they were trying to do and that it, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. The, the end came out after the match, and uh, Odinson ended up slamming Dickinson on a pile of chairs. They get their heat back, which I think is important for, you know, the end kind of to to win out at that point. I don't know if it's setting up a hierarchy where Odinson is like the big dog of of the end. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Um, catch point eventually runs off the end, which works also. So I thought this was a successful segment on the show. I agree. Kind of accomplished everything it needed to. So that was good. Yeah, I hated to see Perot get pinned so early, but... It works. It made sense yeah. in the context. Now we follow that up with uh, A.R. Fox and Matt Riddle, uh, a match that, of course, as everyone knows, has happened before in Evolve. So uh, the finish this time, Fox pinned Matt Riddle after a top rope, Canadian Destroyer, a big boot, low main pain, and the 450 splash. You were really looking forward to this match, A.T. Well, you're really into A.R. Fox. Yeah. So did this match deliver for you? Yeah, I really liked it. Um, and I just love, I mean, AR Fox is the best. He's so cool. And it just blows my mind. Like, everyone loves Matt Riddle, but I just, like, can't imagine watching AR Fox come out with his fur bangle and his, like, obnoxious loud crew and his thick bay and, like, and they're, like, dancing and jumping up and down. And it's so hype. And then being like, no, the cool person that I'm going to root for is like this doofy stoner, bro. You know, <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't get like, I just, um, you know, it's like when the posse came out and like put AR Fox's hat on Timothy Barr and then like got all up at his face. Like that was great. That was inspired. Uh, I just, I love all, like, I love all those dudes. I saw the student to this, uh, Two of the dudes who were in the posse were in the four-way match the next night at Spot Style Battle. And, like, they're great. They're so much fun. Um, yeah, I love the act. I thought this was a really good match. I thought, um, yeah, I thought it was, like, a good back and forth. A lot of action. Um, and uh, I was happy to see AR Fox get the win. Yeah. I mean, definitely when you see Matt Riddle, like, dancing – uh, before the match right yeah t- t- talk about that spot and like the obvious conclusion anyone would draw i mean uh folks matt riddle is actually lame <laughs> like 
you know, obviously uh, Air Fox and his and his crew are dancing, like, but not really even dancing, just kind of like they're like vibing, they're vibing. Yeah, they're just like vibing on the way out to the ring. So then Matt Riddle's like, "Oh yeah, like I'm cool. I can I can dance." Mocking, they're cool dancing, right? And he does it. I don't know. Was he mocking the dancing? Yeah, well, because he did that fake like booty shake. It was like intended to mock. See, I thought, I mean, that may be true. You may be right. I thought he was like, it's just a Matt Riddle thing to be like, oh, if something cool is happening, I need to be a part of it. I like, see, I, I didn't, I didn't read it that way. Okay. All right. That may have been projection. Mm -hmm. Sure. (laughs) Anyway, it sucked. Like he looked dumb and I was like, wow, that is the lamest that Matt Riddle has ever looked. Uh, Right. Yeah. Cause he was like, he was like, I just want to dance like you guys. And it was like kind of in a mocking tone. That's true. That's true. Anyway, it sucked. And then AR Fox gets on his back and like mocks him by pretending to be in guard. You know, like yeah. he pretends he's like doing jujitsu. Like that was really funny. Yeah, that really I don't know. And he kinda he kinda carried that through the beginning of this match. Like every time Fox had a chance, he like did something to mock Matt Riddle, which I really liked. Yeah. Um I think, like, obviously our riddle fatigue has been building, but I think being in the room, like, I yeah. just felt like an, I just felt like an alien because it was like all these people, like, I went to three shows over 24 hours and, like, and at every show, people, like, saying happy birthday to Matt Riddle. And I was like, he's cool. Like, he's good. He's good. And I liked both of them. I really liked both of the matches he had this weekend, but I was just like, I don't know. I just feel like there's, like, a lot of cooler, more interesting people in this company, but. Yeah, I thought this match was legitimately great. It was the third match in a row that I rated at four stars on this show. And uh, I thought it was it was a real good example. You know, they talk about in like UFC if styles make fights. And I know that isn't the same in wrestling, but I thought it worked here because you had AR Fox's like super fast pace that he brings to matches. And then, uh, but it also had kind of the, the stiff, hard-hitting stuff that, that Matt Riddle brings to a match. And Riddle never slowed Fox's pace down. He went along with Fox's pace, which is what made the match great. He didn't try to turn it into a Matt Riddle match, but it also wasn't solely an AR Fox match. They kind of blended the best parts of what they both do. And I think that's what, what really made it shine. Uh, I liked, like, I'm not ri- all into this uh, Riddle um, whether he's into rope breaks or wants to have rope breaks banned from Evolve, like whatever. But it was cool that they integrated that into this match. Uh, especially commentary was using it to be like, okay, every time that Fox used the ropes to get a break, they were like, oh, you know, Riddle hates rope breaks, which I thought was cool. Uh, and then it's like, maybe it's because Riddle is playing at Fox's pace, but then eventually, you know, to end the match, Riddle kind of goes away from what he normally does and tries to go up, uh, go up top to really kind of do what Fox is doing in the match. And that's what costs him the match. So I thought that was a really great storytelling. And uh, I was overjoyed that AR Fox won, not just because I'm a little down on Riddle, but it's the right call story wise. And, you know, somebody needed, uh, someone else needed to be elevated. And I thought AR Fox was as good a choice as any. Yeah, I I agree. Good read on the the finish of the match. It's wow, thanks. Sharp analysis. Sincerely, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that. After the match, uh, Ar Fox reminds everyone that he's going to beat Keith Lee 
And I think this is an announcement, an announcement that it's going to be at the next show, Evolve 100. Uh, so something to look forward to. That's going to be February 17th at Laboom. So I imagine the crowd will be uh, excited for that. The next match uh, for the FIP Championship, Fred Yehi versus Austin Theory. A reminder, of course, that this match was fought under FIP rules, which means there are no rules. Everybody had to say that like three times. Can we talk about Timothy Barr for a second? I know we've had a lot of tangents on the show, and it's going to end up yeah, being let's, let's hear it. two hours plus. Um, first of all, I kind of um, – I don't want to dislike Timothy Barr, but the fact that he's not Joanna Rose makes me dislike him immediately and like sure. have real it's bad feelings. Yeah. Well, she was great as a ring announcer. Mm-hmm. Like – she would kind of like she brought. I think like because we're Americans, we just think everyone with an English accent is posh. But yeah, she sure. did have that effect. You're like, there's like an air of like uh, gravitas uh, to yeah. these proceedings on account of her accent. And she would like subtly banter with the crowds. I mm-hmm. thought like she was part of the show. And I get that Barr is new at this role, but he's very stiff and kind of lunky. And uh, what he really like when I look at him, I think this guy probably goes on Facebook and like when CNN posts a news article, he responds and it's like, yeah, the Democrats are ruining America. Like that's the vibe that I get from Timothy Barr. <laughs> or the that's like mean. Do you think so? I mean it's hard. And he like he it's harsh, cap- it's harsh he capi- is what I'm saying. He capitalizes rats in Democrats. <laughs> Don't you think so? My dad like Facebook's like this. So I'm thinking that's probably what Timothy Barr does too. I can see it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I just had to get that off my chest. Just, 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 <laughs> just an unsubstantiated. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have no evidence of that. Swipe at a total stranger. <laughs> That's what a total ad hominem. Yeah. Well, look, uh, like Wickaface said, I'm a rock star and I can, I can say these things. Yeah. That's uh, when you're living the life, you're able to do that. Hmm. Look, speaking of living the life, Austin I just, Theory. I just want to be clear one moment. Um, the person saying this is Aaron Bentley. That's the one that's in Kentucky. He's not the one who's at these wrestling shows. If Look, one of us or hear one of the voices at the wrestling show, yeah. it's, it's not, it's, uh, you know, the person who you would want to beat up isn't there. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying that Timothy Barr actually does that. I'm just saying he reminds me of someone who might do that. That's the vibe that I get from him. Maybe he's like what? Maybe he hangs out with Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. At the shows. I have no right. clue. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway. Thanks for listening, uh, Big Tim. So, Austin Theory gets the win. He pins Fred Yehi after an assist from Priscilla Kelly and, of course, hitting the Ataxia. This was um, – there was a lot of booking going on in this match. Jason Kincaid comes out because Priscilla Kelly is interfering in the match. So Kincaid comes out to try to stop that from going on. Priscilla Kelly slaps him. Um, Kincaid kind of gets in Kelly's face, but Austin Theory hits him, you know, and kind of ends that. That allows Fred Yehi to uh, get the jump on Theory. Kelly grabs Yehi by the ankles, uh, but Yehi takes that opportunity to stomp on Priscilla Kelly's hand and kick her out of the ring. So there was a lot going on here. Uh, 
I guess, AT, tell us what you thought about the match, but also like everything that was going on during the match. Yeah, I thought this was a good match. I thought like the star of the match was Priscilla Kelly. I think she's like more and more, the more I watch her, I'm like, oh, she's great. I get it. She's, she's a real presence in these matches. Her like timing on that when Theory was chasing Yehi around the ring and then she went the other way and hit that sort of running, uh, you know, tope from the apron. That looked great. Her, you know, yelping and climbing on Yehi's back and try to choke him was great. She's really, She's a presence and she's great. I think she's really good. Um, so I thought that that was really good. That was kind of the sort of like the big take home for me was like, oh, yeah, like we've been seeing sort of Gabe talk about how like in the new year, just talking about like Priscilla Kelly, like Austin Theory and Priscilla Kelly as like, you know, both of them as performers. And you're like, oh, I I, I get it. Yeah. Um, so I thought about that. I thought it was a good and I like that. It, you know, I thought it was a good match. And I like that it sort of progress the story of like once again you know um theory beats yehi but he needs the help of priscilla kelly because she you know hit that drop kick onto the chair onto him which was cool before um the finish um so i thought you know we've talked about the the austin theory jason kincaid stuff and we're not as into that um i did want to talk a little bit about there's some like casual misogyny in this match um so a moment ago, you took an unsubstantiated uh, shot at a member of the Evolve co- announcing to you, and now I'm going to take a substantiated one. I think that we talked in the past about how there were hints that, like, Rodney Emmy's opinions of women were, like, not great. You know, like, there were things that we were like, okay, this is not, like, what a feminist would say. And then here we had kind of, like, a crystal clear, like, okay, you're, like, you have a shitty opinions about women, um, was where during the match, Rodney Emmy remarks to Lenny Leonard, uh, that there's nothing more dangerous than a crazy woman, Lenny. And uh, it's just gross. It's like, get that shit off the broadcast. Like, I don't want to hear that. If, you know, like, if you, um, you know, if you can't trust your announcer to commentate on a match where there's a woman involved without saying something shitty about how women are crazy, like, you should put them in timeout until th- there's all men again. Because I just, like... I don't know. I just have zero tolerance for it. I know it's like a part and parcel with wrestling. Like, I know if we did a show about Lucha Underground, I'd constantly be like driving myself crazy watching Matt Stryker. But it's just like, I don't know. I, you don't need to say something like that. It's like, I just, uh, it's like, it's garbage. And then there was a spot where, um, you know, Yehi stomped on Priscilla Kelly's hand after she attacked him. And I get it. Like, I get it that. Um, she's attacking first and he's not like beating her up and she's a wrestler. But the, but the problem with like the violence against women on these shows that are like outside the context of a scripted match is that, um, or like a scheduled match is that like, it always opens the door for some Cretan to say something shitty. Right. I've never been at a wrestling show where there was an instance where a man beat up a fe- hit a female manager and like no one said anything like it's always opening the door for one of the dickheads in your crowd. Like to that, on Saturday night, some guy piped up. He was with was a dude in a collared shirt with his kid who must have been like five or six years old. Just goes spanker. And you're just like, what are you fucking doing? You know, and that that made me mad. And then I'm also like mad that like, um, I don't know. Is that's the thing? Because it's like. The, in a vacuum, like, yeah, high stomping Priscilla Kelly's hand is fine. It makes sense. 
but you're always, there's always that, like, I mean, I went, I, I don't know if I told the story in the podcast, but like, I remember going to a ring of honor final battle where like Kevin Steen, like the big blow off to the, his, his feud with Mike Bennett was him power bombing Maria. And I just remember the dude behind me just yelling dead whore, dead whore. Nobody likes a dead whore. So it's like, there's always going to be dudes in the crowd who are like really, really excited for the man to get the retribution on the women. Like I remember um, like being on a bus to WrestleMania for the one that was in New Jersey and just being in the, in the bus with this dude who was like, I fucking hate that Vicky Guerrero. You know, it would be great if someone just got up and just threw her off the fucking, you know, off the fucking top of the stage, you know, I just fucking hate that bitch. And so you're whenever there's like an act like that, you're always kind of like you're sort of like uh, priming the pump for someone who has a lot of like real issues around women and masculinity, sort of like releasing that toxin into your audience. And if you want to be a place where like that is inclusive, if you want to like really mean it when you wear those PW girl gang shirts uh, you know, about how you're all inclusive all together, you should uh, try to make sure you create an environment that fosters that and make sure your commentators aren't saying dumb, misogynistic shit. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, of course. Uh, you know, the, the first the first sin in this, of course, is having a woman character who is, her whole story is that she is corrupting a, a pure young man. Right. Like that's where she starts from. It's the original that's sin. That's the original sin. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, and I, I mean that in a couple of ways, I guess. Um, so like you're almost you're putting yourself in a position where eventually someone is going to have to get retribution on her. And there are no other women in the promotion other than Candy Cartwright. So, <laughs> you know, like uh, something bad is going to have to happen. And uh, you don't want to put your because of exactly what AT is talking about. You don't want to put your crowd in that position uh, because something bad is going to something gross is going to happen. Yeah. And there are moments in this feud where it feels like it's building to the big angle of Jason Kincaid attacking Priscilla Kelly. And I think that they avoided it because it seemed like, you know, when he snapped, he only attacked Austin Theory. But like if they're thinking about um that being kind of the blow off i really really hope that they reconsider yeah that's that's like the worst thing that could possibly happen cuz that's when i'm watching it i personally was like okay this isn't that bad like what yehai is doing but i was thinking at the same time i was very uncomfortable about it uh, even though it didn't personally offend me at in that moment i was like only bad things can come from this Right. Because it's like the act is exactly the act isn't bad, but you're constantly sitting there like, oh, God, I hope nothing bad happens. I hope this stops here. So anyway, so those are my thoughts. And I felt bad for uh, Lenny Leonard because like, what is Lenny supposed to do on the broadcast? I mean, I guess he could call out Ron. Yeah, but that's asking a lot. So it's it's, it's a tough ask for, you know, from a male ally. I mean, you you would like it, but you're like, you're not like, I'm not mad at Lenny. No, not at all. I mean, Lenny is in a position where he's doing his job. Yeah. And it's like, 
I thought Lenny was kind of clever to be to like right. make a comment about Ron's wife at that point. Like, I know Ron's wife is watching. Yeah, you know? was, yeah right, right, yeah, right, yeah. So that was pretty cool. I thought I just I felt bad for Lenny because he was put in a really tough position. Yeah. So I was, I'm sure Ron's going to be on the next shows, uh, but I wish they would address that with him at least. Uh, yeah. if they're not going to get rid of him. Okay, uh, the last match we haven't talked about on this show was a non-title match: Jaka versus Keith Lee. Jaka, hey. The wrong boys were right for once. Chaka wins. He defeats Keith Lee with the Chala kick uh, after a little distraction from A.R. Fox, who he and his posse came out on the stage there at LaBoom and got Keith Lee's opinion. Um, okay. Chaka wins another non-title match, um, and this match ruled. Yeah, the king of the non-title match uh, does it again. Uh, yeah, I thought this was very good. Um it was interesting because it was like he came out and there was like no real re- – it was weird. The cra- I thought that there would be more people on Jaka's side, but there really weren't. Um, and it was just like – but I thought that the match was like smartly worked. Like it was worked like what you would think these people would do if they were put in a fight of sort of Jaka, you know, Lee being bigger and stronger and Jaka trying to sort of pick his spots and kick him in the leg when he could. But, but ultimately Lee being sort of more of the dominant player. Um, and it was weird in the sense that, like, I thought that there would be more, like, enthusiasm for the Jaka comeback, but the crowd was really more treating it like a Keith Lee extended squash. Um, I was just I was just surprised that there wasn't, like, after his recent support, uh, after his recent uh, performances, it just feels like the people are still sleeping on Jaka. And uh, so, yeah, it was kind of a weird match in that sense, but I was like, this is good. This is, like, a well, this was a smart, well-done match. And, um, yeah, I was surprised that Jaka won. Sometimes the Chala kick doesn't, like, totally, like, it's not as, it's not the most, like, devastating-looking finisher, especially when it's done to someone who's as big as Keith Lee. So you saw it, and you, it was, like, kind of a surprise when the ref counted three. It was like, oh, oh, he won the match. Huh. You know? Um, so, yeah. Interesting finish to a match that it felt like Keith Lee had been dominating and, um, yeah, another big win for Jaka. So I'm happy to see him continue to like go on his rise. Tell me if I'm reading too much into this. Yeah, I feel like there's this story going on with Jaka, or at least what what he has in common in his wins over Zach Saber and Keith Lee is that he finds a way to counter the champion's finish. Like in this match, Keith Lee's trying to hit the spirit bomb at ground zero, uh, but Jaka sees him coming. You know, as the announcer always says, you know, he was watching tape and he was ready for that, you know. Um, and But he's able to do that in both of these big matches and get the win. So, A, I might be reading too much into that, but it just kind of seems like he's the guy who's prepared in these matches. But then when he finally gets the title shot, they've got something else to – to get over him that he doesn't know about yet, that, he, that he's not prepared for. And I don't know if that's the story, but uh, it's at least interesting from my perspective to look at it that way. Right. No, it's an interesting take. Or like there's some cell, there's some, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens when he wrestles Keith Lee again. Right. Presumably he'll get a title shot and we'll see right. whether that's the story or we're imagining it. Because what you um, really want to see is a rematch where the champion wins because he's able to come up with, you know, another move that, that Jaka can't counter. And then like, if you really wanted to pay this off, then he would get another match 
where he would counter it or he would be right, ready for right. everything. Keith Lee, uh, yeah, Keith Lee, because he went for the spirit bomb and the ground zero and Jaka found a way out of both of them. Right. Um, and then finally, like Keith Lee, you know, he does another thing and wins the match. And then, right. yeah, that would be the satisfying thing. Right. Um, well, we'll talk more about Jaka in a little bit uh, and where he's going long term. But I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. It's like a very that would be a very New Japan story to tell. And mm-hmm. uh, I know everybody doesn't tell stories that way. So it could just be me. Sure. Looking for it. All right. Let's move on to Evolve 99. Sunday uh, at Fim- St. Finbar's Catholic Church. Did you uh, want to talk Brody- about uh, the style battle? Oh, well, you can. I, I did not watch the show. So All right, yeah, quick I, thing I about Style Battle. It was pretty cool. There weren't a lot of people there. Um, everything was solid. Um, to the the AR Fox's students were fun in their four-way. It was like three of the students, two of the guys are in the posse, another guy who I don't think is one of is in the posse, but I think is a student, and then a fourth guy from New York. And uh, the two posse guys, Liam Gray, the one who, I think that's his name, was like, he has this shirt, it's like, it's a vibe. And then they'll like, the sort of like huskier white dude in the posse with the beard were in the match. And uh, they were just really fun um, joking around and like going up to the referee and being like, you know, whose man's is this? And I I just thought it was funny. I enjoyed it. Um, And then uh, they were just, and there was also like one insane, like tower of doom stop spot where it was just like some dude, it would wind up taking like a brain buster on it. It was just, it looked sick. And then, um, so that was cool. And then Nick Gage versus Walter was fun. I was kind of bummed. Like, I wouldn't have gone all the way out to Brooklyn for the show if I knew what it was going to be. Like, it was good, but it was like, nothing was spectacular. The The post-match brawl was like, it felt like just as it was heating up and getting really violent, the match ended, you know, it was called off in a, in a no contest. But um, I don't know, it was cool to see Nick Gage live. And it was cool to like, that they like, the post-match brawl was great. It was a great angle. And given the interaction between Keith Lee and Nick Gage at the end, it would seem that there will be future sort of WWN uh, GCW conflict, um, hope, you know, perhaps at WrestleMania weekend. So that was cool. Cool show. Had a good time. That's that's my style battle review. Matt Riddle won. He beat right. uh, Joey Janela in the final. And that was good. Oh, and also Joey Janela cut a promo where he was like, you know, everyone, you know, Gabe and Sal don't think I'm good enough. And like, you know, I, I should be, you know, in Evolve. You know, why aren't I getting, mm-hmm. getting booked here? So that's interesting. That, that would is. be an interesting flavor to add to the uh, the Evolve mix if it were to happen. Yeah, I'd be into that. Yeah. Um, I My mother was in town for the weekend, as I mentioned on the last episode. So uh, I could not make the time to catch Sal Battle live, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Well, Apology accepted. Thank you. Uh, getting back to Evolve 99, uh, Brody King is the first guy out. Uh, you may remember that on Evolve 98, they were they did not do the preliminary matches that they started doing last month, uh, but they were going to do them again on Evolve 99. We kind of theorized that it had to do with timing at Laboom. Haven't confirmed that, but makes as much sense as anything. So Brody King comes out, and then Darby Allen is the next one out. He grabs the microphone. And he tells the crowd that he put his heart and soul into the championship match. But it just wasn't good enough. So now he deserves to start back at the bottom. So our first match was Darby Allen versus Brody King. Uh, and the match ultimately ends in a time limit draw, which I thought was pretty interesting, uh, considering the story. Um, 
I really like the story here. I thought I thought it's really cool to do this. Like Darby has to go back to the bottom thing, right? And also, I I felt like it was um not only did it go back to the the bottom, but the sort of um you know he was like punishing himself by putting his hands behind his back and letting you know Brody hit him. But um the one thing I took from it, it felt like it was almost going back to the start in the style of the match. Like it was a it was a return to the crazy flying getting himself killed Darby Allen, who was, I mean, getting thrown into the pillars and tossed over the guardrail and, and doing, he did an insane, like a uh, tope con hello kind of, th- or an over the top rope, like somersault tope through Brody King, who was sitting in a chair. And then he, you know, he did that spot. I think he also, he might've done that in the DJZ match too, but he also did that sort of like that crazy dive when with, uh, Brody sort of hung over the barricade. So it was like, it was a return to the, it was almost like he's the wrestling skills failed him. And he returned to the safe place of like trying to get himself killed. Um, that's, that's, that's what I, that might be over analyzing it, but that was my read. No, I like that take. Uh, and does that explain like why he couldn't finish him off and it goes to a, a draw? Maybe. Right. Like if he were trying to go, like he went for an arm, like an arm bar or two, but like if you were trying to, you know, if he wasn't so hung up, if he didn't take the match outside as much and do a bunch of dives, like maybe there would have been time for him to get the win. And he also was like losing when this match happened. Cause the dude did like a like a backdrop driver up or not, a, but whatever, you know, like a back suplex off the top rope. Um, yeah. So All right. Well, I'm into this. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm fascinated to see where this goes with Darby. Right. Um, Because like, it's like everything they've done with him so far has been terrific. Yeah. So. They have a lot of, I have like a lot of good faith with them right now. Does he have to like win a prelim to get back on the, the main card? That would be cool. Like, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see where it goes. Yeah. Whatever they need to do to like kind of build back the anticipation for the rematch. Right. I, I'm glad that they don't appear to be going right back to Darby versus Zach. Right. Because they also have all the, they've, I mean, that's the thing we'll talk about a little later too, I think, is that they have just a lot of um, challengers lined up for both of their champions right now. Yeah, so I hope they let this one breathe a little. And like you said, they've got a lot of good faith built up uh, with regard to Darby, so I'm going to stick with that. Mm-hmm. The next prelim, Jared 120 taking on Snoop Strikes. Uh, Jared gets the win. I, I don't have much to say about this. Uh, I like Snoop Strikes. Uh, Jared, I still don't care about. Yeah. Um, as uh, Trevin Adams put it at the end of this match, at the end of the day, it's all about Jarek 120. Disturb reality in full effect. <laughs> yeah, that says it all, man. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone should check out the Jarek music video, his year in review. Um, it's a lot of, lot of uh, if you want to see Jarek make out with his girlfriend or kiss his girlfriend a lot, this is the video for you. Our boy Oaken looked it up. I think there were like 23 kisses in the video. So if you're into kissing Jarek, uh, this is um, it's a good vid. Shows his vision board, his goal for the years. I think he got some Bitcoin. He uh, <laughs> he had a WWE tryout, apparently. Yeah. Crossed that off the list. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, you know. It's like my general feeling or my general sort of like first instinct is that like all YouTubers are sociopaths. 
Uh, but I hope that's not the case for Jarek. Uh, I'm not going to comment on that. Um, the video is insane. It is exactly four minutes and 20 seconds long. If you're wondering, it, I don't know. Do you know, did you know the song that it was no. sent to? Uh, yeah. So it's, I don't know. He like did a, a, he took great detail to try to match the, the visuals to the lyrics of the song. Uh, or he wrote the song. I got no clue. I don't know anything about the song. Uh, but yeah, if, if you like, if you're really into dudes who uh, want you to tell them how hot their girlfriend is, you should watch this video because it's like, here's my girlfriend's ass. And also here's my girlfriend taking all her clothes off in a hot tub. And uh, yeah. So if, if you like to hang out with dudes who are like always just telling you about how much they fuck, then you will love this video. Which I assume is most of our listenership. <laughs> maybe that's like, maybe we'd have more listeners if we talk more about uh, sex on the show. Yeah. Well, I need to fuck more first. <laughs> Classic dry boy AT. <laughs> All right. Uh, Austin Theory comes out. He reminds everyone that he's, he's beaten Yehi. Uh, he left Zack Sabre Jr. lying. Uh, he pulls a real Jarek here where he tells everybody how young he is and how great his body is. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe they should do a video where they're kissing. Uh, I've shipped a lot yeah. of people with. Yeah, a lot of shipping, <laughs> a lot of good kiss bids. I think, yeah, if Gabe ever goes to WWE full time, uh, give us the pencil. A lot of dudes kissing. Um, yeah, that's that's our pitch. I got to say for two uh, straight dudes, I think we'd have a lot of guys kissing in our, yeah. in our version of evolve. Well, it'd be, it'd be sure. fresh and innovative. It would be. Yeah. Uh, so the, but I think the point Austin theory was trying to make yeah. was that uh, he rules and he's going to be the next evolve champion. Oh, it's the first game. He's got to get rid of uh, Jason Kincaid. So our, our first match is Austin theory and Jason Kincaid strange finish where Kincaid apparently injures his knee, uh, going for a double stomp with Theory hung up in the ropes. Theory moves out of the way. Uh, Kincaid is supposed to be, you know, shoot injured, and so the ref declares a no contest and waves off the match. Uh, I don't know. Weird finish. Kind of a weird finish, but I don't know. I was okay with it. It wasn't like a shitty WWE finish where they're just like fighting too hard. You know, it was just that like it was like this dude, the story is this guy is injured. And so like, I'm not going to be mad at that. That's like a totally reasonable angle to have a story to tell. And uh, let me tell you, though, this crowd hated Austin Theory. I mean, he had really tremendous heat in the building. Yeah, I mean, they were just booing the shit. I mean, they in a good way, like he just had like people were booing him. And they were really into booing him. And after the match, when right. the refs were checking on Kincaid and Theory was going in and stomping his knee and, and Priscilla Kelly's diving in there and putting like is hitting her knee with her the, the with her fist. She was great there. I thought that was good, really good work. Um people were really booing. People were upset. So uh yeah, it's working. I think. I'm not gonna go hard on Kincaid here because I kinda I already talked about him. Yeah. I would just like Theory to get away from him, and this feels like it's gonna continue. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. After the end of the match, I was like, oh, I guess this is 
going to keep going. Yeah. Uh, the refs check on Kincaid after the match, but Austin Theory and Priscilla Kelly attack him. Um, that's it. That's what happened. Our next match, Timothy Thatcher takes on Fred Yehi. I think I was more right about this one, AT. Uh, Thatcher ultimately defeats Fred Yehi with uh, Fujiwara Armbar. Yeah, this was a snooze fest. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was fine. I am into like the one Fred Yehi. I'm like into the Fred Yehi. I like Fred more or less. But I, I'm into the Fred Yehi gimmick of the crowd just yelling at him to do a thing and him doing it. Like in this match, they were like, take his scarf. And like, he took Timothy Thatcher's catpoid scarf or his ring comp scarf rather. And like the crowd, it was like the biggest spot of the match and everyone got fired up. And it reminded me of like last month when everyone was like, take your shoes off. And he was like, yeah, I guess I'll just take my shoes off and like wrestle the rest of the match barefoot, whatever. So yeah, Fred Yehi is game in uh, doing what, and you know, going the extra mile for the fans. So Salute to Fred Yehi, but this was a, uh, you know, this is not for me. This is a lot of, a lot of grapple fucking, just a match where you're like, what's happening? Where's this going? So I don't know. Um, the one that I love when Thatcher does that thing where he like knees the grounded opponent. I'm into that. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was fine. Fred Yehi debuted in PWG also. Oh yeah, good for Fred. Fred and did was. So David Starr has been there before. Is that David Starr's debut too? Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. I can't say. But David but Starr yeah, was definitely they, there. They wrestled each other. Yeah, I don't keep up with uh, PWG really. But I do think that's the mark of like making it to a certain level in indie wrestling. Right. When you get to yeah. PWG. So like that rules Absolutely. for Fred. I'm very yeah, happy good for Good for Fred. Hats off to Fred. He's worked hard. Yeah. Right. Like, he always works hard in the shows that we watch. Yeah, the first time I saw Fred, and like this is going to out me as a as a fake geek because it wasn't that long ago, but I saw him wrestle in like a, I don't know, a, a barn against this dude called Slim J. Okay. And they, this was like a, a very uh, pimped match a couple of years ago where they had like a two out of three falls match, I think. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, this guy's cool. And he has like just skyrocketed since then. So I'm very happy for him that he's doing so well. Yeah, Slim J from 2002 from the 2002 Ring of Honor shows. Right. That's yeah, right. So with the M&M still, haircut and the wild flips. And he's still going. He's, he's still working, and he still looks about the same age as he did in 2002. So Hey, that's cool. Working out for him. Yeah. Good match. I, I wish I knew who it was for. I would tell everybody to go watch it. but Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm happy for Fred. That's it. That's the point I was trying to make. Oh, there's a lot of good tweets right now. I just want to um Oh yeah. Sort of uh yeah, Nick Gage tweets WWN stands for Weirdo Wrestling Network. These dudes stopped the fight because I started throwing chairs around. Shit is weak. Oh, and Keith Lee, mind your own fucking business. Nothing worse than a dude who jumps in during someone else's fight. I see you, bud, MDK. Yeah, that rules. Yeah. So I got insane. absolutely I got absolutely killed for saying that I didn't really get Nick Gage. Yeah. Like I got, it was like my friends were really going at me. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. No, no let up. No, like, well, Aaron's our friend, so we'll not go that hard. It was like, Aaron must be killed. For yeah. They, they saw your shit take and they were like, somebody fucked up on this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they were like. 
Yeah, yeah they, they definitely made me go sit in a corner. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, myself, yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm sorry that I don't understand post irony apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I apologize to everyone. Yeah. I don't know. I'll I'll do better. Yeah. Good. Uh, <laughs> thanks. The next match was a tornado rules tag team match. Tracy Williams, Dominic Garini taking on Perot and Odinson of the end. Ultimately, Perot uh, kind of gets his win back in a way. Pins Tracy Williams. After a, an overkill power bomb lung blower combination, I think it's called overkill, right? Yes. Um, it moves. I've now thoroughly explained that. Uh, what did you think of this match? I thought this was really good, and I think that, like, I think going into this weekend, the thing that I wanted to see from the end was like whether how good they were at wrestling, and uh, yeah, they're good. I think that, like, or at least like they're good enough to do everything they need them to do. Don't you think? Absolutely. And they look big and mean. I mean, there was a spot here. The camera sort of missed it, which was unfortunate. But live, um, I think um, Perot whipped uh, Tracy Williams like across the ring and then sort of um, Odinson met him at an angle and just fucking trucked him with the pounce. And it looked so good. It was awesome. And I think the camera like mostly missed it on the, v- on, on the VOD, which is a bummer. But it was like, oh, these are just like big, mean boys. And then another sick spot was like Garini countering the... He was like running at Odinson. Odinson went to powerbomb and then he turned it into like a head scissors triangle. I was like, oh, this is ill. This is great. Um, Yeah, this was like a... This was a fun and wild match with... Yeah, so I thought that... Yeah, I think that uh, the end has acquitted themselves quite quite nicely this weekend and... uh, yeah, I'm ready for whatever they're going to do with them next. Yeah, it's like everybody doesn't have to be um, South Pacific Power Trip or whatever in this in this promotion. Uh, and I'm not saying these guys are bad workers, but it makes me think of like NXT. And I'm not going to say like I know everything about those dudes and how good or bad they are. I don't. I've only seen like the big takeover matches. But I remember early on thinking they were not going to be very good and I wasn't sure how they were going to hang. But then when you put them in the ring with like Gargano and Ciampa, have a great, literal great match. And so I think if these guys are working with Doom Patrol uh, and those kind of the tag teams that, or even like Anthony Henry and James Drake, they could work with those guys in this promotion and absolutely do enough to have uh, good matches that won't stick out on these cards. Yeah. And Odinson seems pretty athletic. Yeah, absolutely. He's got some pep in his step. So. Yeah, and, and Perot, Perot can be very brutal. Like mm-hmm. he can come off as like mean and tough, and uh, like I don't, you need just some big guys who can beat down some folks from time to time. Yes. So yeah, another we're talking about we're talking about the evolved gumbo and all the different <laughs> ingredients, and uh, they're a nice fit. It's a lot, a lot, a lot cooking for that evolve was, right now, and that was kind of why I loved. Speaking of Perot, why I loved that Perot Chris Dickinson match yeah. so much was that it gave a it added a lot of variety to the show. Right. I know I know there was another no DQ match later on, but they were very different from each other. And uh, it's not like the Grapple Fuck era. It's like everything is different. They really are doing more of a variety show, which you kind of need to get through uh, these shows like all the time. Yeah. All right. So the next match was Jaka versus Matt Riddle. 
Uh, Matt Riddle ultimately defeats Jocko via submission with the bro mission. Um, man, this was a real letdown for me after the night before when Matt Riddle worked a really good match with Fox. Jocko had a really good match with Keith Lee. This did not get there for me. Uh, it was kind of like a normal, like I talked about how Matt Riddle kind of went along with, with AR Fox or blended their styles. This was a Matt Riddle match complete with the no selling German sequence, which if I hadn't, if I'd been interested in the match at that point, that's when I would have completely checked out. That's just not for me. Um, they seem to abandon the whole ropes thing with Riddle. Like he used the ropes for breaks in this match, which I thought was lame. And I really just wanted to see Jocka win. Like, did Matt Riddle really need to beat Jocka here? He just no. got the big win over the champion. I, I wanted to see him continue to elevate. Yeah, that's fair. Hmm. I'm like, what did Riddle do? Well, was, but then it's like, are you going to have Riddle lose two in a row for the, you know, have Riddle be like two and four in his last six matches? Yeah, but like, nothing uh, sticks to Riddle. Right. That's true. Right. It doesn't matter. He's going to come out and no. until they're ready to sort of push him back for a title. Might as well. No, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I thought that it was funny because it was like last night. Jaka worked like this very smart, thoughtful match. And it was like people like were like, oh, all right, whatever. What else you got? You know, like didn't seem like they were like very into him. And then it was like tonight he came out. He was like, I got that ignorant shit you like. You know, like he comes out and like <laughs> they start. It was funny because it was like. I'm watching this match. And I'm like, there's so much stuff where I'm just shaking my head. I was like, this is so dumb. But like the whole, the crowd was just eating it up. So you're like, all right, well, I'm having fun, you know? Cause like, and they start off with that standoff where, you know, Jock is yelling, yow and Matt Riddle's yelling, bro, like they're Pokemon. And I was just like, this is dumb, but like everyone's chanting it. And I was like, all right, well, I got to show my support for Jock. I'll, I'll yow along. And uh, yeah, it was fun. And like the German sequence was like, when they got to like, I guess it was like four no cells in a row, then it became funny. You know, like, I think, like, I think, like, when you do like one no cell, it's like, oh, this is stupid. But then you do a bunch in a row, it becomes like, it becomes funny. And you're like, oh, and like the crowd's like losing their shit. So you're like, oh, whatever. This is fun. And um, what, what wrestlers do you think could do competing moo and oink chance? Oh, <laughs> great. Um, you know, so like that was fun, and then oh, like I, that uh, got no sold worse than the uh, German suplexes. I'm trying, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, uh, it's just like, and then because you kind of like go the, it's like it's a stupid thing with Jaka, but it's also his gimmick, right? And like the and sort of like the long lineage of wrestling savages, he has like these absurd no cell spots like like when in the um in the match against like uh south pacific power trip in queens earlier this year where they kept kicking him in the head and he just like shrugged it off and like fired back and i was like this is so dumb but this is awesome you know like um that's like kind of how i felt during this match where i was like this is really dumb but everyone is loving this and it's fun you know this doesn't really make sense but i'm enjoying it and uh i thought that like you know, when he knows sells the bro to sleep, you're like, I was like, okay, this is hilarious. This is cool. I'll, whatever. It's, I'll, you're like, oh, I'm having fun. And then uh, I, to their credit, I thought the finishing stretch, like after the no bro sell, no to sleep, bro to sleep, no sell, which was like, kind of like, this is like silly. Um, I thought that like the finishing stretch was good where they were sort of like, you know, sweeping each other's legs. And, you know, I like when Jaka bites the foot. 
Um, so I thought that like, I thought the finishing stretch was like dramatic and good and the crowd loved the match. Right. Like he, like I thought that Jaka had this like really smart sound engaging match the night before and people were like, Oh, whatever Jaka. And then after this, like, you know, Matt Riddle leaves and he gets this big ovation where he's sitting alone in the ring. So, uh, I don't know. I go back and forth as like a critic, how much the crowd response should matter. Cause it's like, on one hand, it's like popularity doesn't mean that art is good. But on the other hand, pro wrestling is live performance art. The thing that separates it from all the other forms of art. And that makes it the best is like that interactivity. And so like you are playing to a crowd and they did it really well. This match was like really, really, people were really into it there. So I can't like, you know, I don't know. It was fun. The pe- it was like the people there had a really good time, even though it was like, it was like kind of PWG ish where you're like, I feel like this works really well in the building, but if you're watching it at home, you're like, eh, or like, it's yeah. fun, but you're like, I don't know. And it's good that this was the only match on the card like this. I think that if you had like, like if you had multiple matches that were with a bunch of no selling, you'd want to blow your brains out and it would be PWG. But like, right. Yeah. I don't know. That was a long winded and incoherent take, but that was good. Kick it uh, right now. My criticisms. Yeah, definitely usually come from like, whether it's pleasing to me, sure. Not whether it got over in the building. Um, I struggle with that too, because like, if I say to somebody, you know, some movie, I don't think is very good. And they're like, well, um, it made $800 billion. Right. Well, that doesn't really tell us anything about art. Um, WWE is objectively not the best wrestling. Yeah. And yet it's, you know, makes the most money. So, but there is, I mean, if, if wrestling dies in front of a crowd, then, you know, it's, it's not going to exist very long if the crowd doesn't care for it at all. So, uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. So, right. Sometimes crowds are dumb. So, And it's like a great <laughs> match. Isn't a great match if the crowd doesn't care. Right. Yeah. You just know, like, 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 I, like I would never want to, even if you're watching it on tape, you're like, you want to see the people be into it. And if it's like, no one cares, you're like, right. eh. Yeah. There's like that uh, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko match from like Road Wild or whatever, where they're outside working this match. Right. And it goes to like three overtimes because they go to a time limit. And the uh, the crowd is like booing every time the the match continues, but it's like one of the best worked matches like of all right. time. So it's it's like hard to say whether that match sucks or is great. Uh, right, it's one or the other. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I just I don't know where Jaka goes. I guess um, that's why I would have liked right. to see him win. It just seems right. like he kind of cycles back down here. Well, you assume he gets his title shot at some point. He has that win, but then it's I weird. Guess. And like that, the post and the end of the show angle, it's like they're kind of overlooking him, even though he right. just beat Heath Lee the night before. I don't know. I hope he gets his, his uh, WWN title shot that he's owed. Um, he should. Yeah. All right. Well, there was a non title match after this. Walter takes on Zack Sabre Jr. And Walter, <laughs> Ooh. Walter ultimately uh, gets the win over Zack with a powerbomb. Um, did you think, well, you thought this wasn't as good as the Derby match? Well, that's just like a matter of personal preference. I'm always a guy who's going to prefer a match with a bunch of backstory and sort of, uh, contextual relevance. And there's a title on the line and there's like stakes to kind of a great match. That's a great match in a vacuum. 
but this was a great match in a vacuum. This this was just a fucking war. This was great. It was. Um, I'm sure these guys. I know these guys have wrestled a million times in a bunch of other places, but this is the first time I've seen them wrestle each other, and it was just uh, it was terrific. I thought that um, they just beat the shit out of each other, and Walter really beat the shit out of Zack Saber Jr. And it was just like brutal and vicious and fast paced and yeah, I don't know. It was it was really terrific. Yeah, it played into what I was hoping with, you know, Zach being the small guy uh, trying to use submissions or, you know, limb work the best he could to overcome the big monster who was just bigger and stronger than he was. Uh, but but Walter just, I mean, he looked like a monster here. It was, I've enjoyed him otherwise in Evolve, but this weekend completely pushed him over the line for me. Like he was working at a faster pace even more brutal. The, the psychology in the matches I thought was better in these, in these matches rather than before. Uh, I just loved him here. I thought this was great. Uh, great weekend for him. And it just, like, how many people can have that level of great matches with Darby Allen one night and Walter the next night? I mean, those require two such different things. And Zach just killed both of them. He's unreal. He's just yeah. on another. I mean, because you look at like it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like when you look at like when you do when you like compare them, it's like who had a better match with Chaka, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, or Zack Saber Jr. It's like Zack Saber Jr. by a large mile. Like who had a better match with Darby Allen, Keith Lee, or Zack Saber Jr. Zack Saber who had a better match with Keith? Well, Riddle's first match with Keith Lee was really good, so I can't necessarily say that. You know, but yeah, you got the point. Like, I, I think he's just, yeah. he's really, um, you know, I don't have any more words. It's been great. It's been a blast. I'm loving it. Uh, I just love this match. Like every time Zach would get up and try to slap him in the face and Walter would just fucking deck him. It was just, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. Yeah. It, was two, this it, was two, it was two just world-class performers yeah kind of doing their shit but like for the people with the takes about zach's size like watch this match he he doesn't look like he doesn't belong in there with walter he proves why he belongs in there with walter i mean ah so good um after the match darby allen comes out and uh politely asks zach like please can i have one more match against you uh, Zach doesn't get a chance to respond because Walter steps up to Darby and uh, he says, and this was great. He says, this is a professional wrestling ring. What the fuck are you doing here? Which it ruled. I was so excited. Yeah. I was like, fuck uh, you, Walter. I was like, <laughs> I was like, be nice to Darby. He's so good. Yeah. Yeah. But so I Darby was like, oh, put- yeah. Great. Right. So Darby pushes Walter and Walter completely demolishes him with a big boot puts him in a sleeper, and then just uh, tosses him out of the ring. I couldn't be more excited for Walter versus Darby. Yeah, I think like, that's going to be Put great. that right into my vein. Yeah. That rules. Uh, the main event of this show, the WWN Championship, Chris Dickinson, the Dirty Daddy, challenges Keith Lee. I tried to jump on your all's bandwagon from the night before and get a ready for Dirty Daddy hashtag going. Uh, nobody was into it. Yeah. 
This was really good. I really, I really like this match. It was like a nice, uh, compact main event. Sometimes I, I felt like I was like, this was like a good amount of time for this because sometimes you watch like, especially after the last match, you're like, and after a long weekend of wrestling, you don't want like a forty minute New Japan epic. And this was really good. I thought that um, I loved Lenny Leonard commentary. It really described what was happening, where he was like, Chris Dickinson only knows one direction. Straight ahead, you know, and so I thought that he was great, just kind of like going right after Keith Lee from the opening bell and Lee just being kind of bigger. Um, I thought that it was like the crowd was into it. Um, I thought that like it was a good sort of like it was a good, it was a really good performance from Dickinson. I always love his facials and sort of his just sort of his general demeanor as like sort of like a bulging, like ball of anger you know and just sort of just yeah i thought he was like i thought all of his like especially when it was like firing up towards the end of the match with his um sort of like pounding the mat and going for his last comeback i thought like he he looked very real it looked it felt like yeah i i bought into the whole i always like buy into it with him and i i thought that this match was really good i thought that um i was in the same section as uh the dirty daddy, what I assume is the dirty daddy's mother, the the grimy granny. She was great. One of the best, um, <laughs> one of the best um, evolved mom performances. Probably the best one since uh, Superetta at that Long Island show where they were Rapongi Vice was in the main event against the Premier Athlete brand. Um, yeah, she was great. She was like, "Move out of the way, Christopher," and like, it's just sort <laughs> of like. And she was yelling. She was like, eat shit. She was terrific. She was great. She, yeah, you know, yeah, if I was a star rater, like an extra half star for the grimy yeah. granny. She D- ruled. Dirty daddy's mom. Go on Evolve Pod. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Come on it. Come on, you know. Uh yeah, so that was that was I, that was really great. I lost my shit when because Keith Lee has such presence. So like anytime he goes up onto the turnbuckles, you're like, oh, like there's like about to be an earthquake. Like everything looks bigger and like crazier. And so when when Dickinson popped out and that springboard um, reverse Rana, which is not what I was expecting him to do. It was in like the visual of like Lee taking the tumble of such a big dude, like falling all the way over and like the surprise of seeing the move and also like that it fit in the story of like this angry man who's like giving it everything he has, right. That he's just throwing, leaving it all in the field. Like I just lost my shit. Like I burst out, like when a spot really hits me and there's like a moment of like pure surprise, I just lose it and just start laughing hysterically. And I was just like screeching and hooting and hollering in my seat. And that was, I love that spot. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I, I didn't enjoy it quite as much as you did. I, okay. I just think the problem was was that I never never thought Dickinson was going to win. Right. And that's why I kept it for me being like the next level for me. Like I thought it was really good, but I would not I wouldn't put it up there with like, you know, the match that came before it or the Derby match, right. you know. Right. But I thought it was really good and I I thought like it delivered for sure. Yeah, this is hard to quantify or like I don't know. It's just Dickinson felt like such a big deal last month. Right. And just those little uh, like run-ins and stuff that he was doing on that show. And he didn't have that same feel on this show for whatever reason. 
I mean, and that's just, I guess your mileage may vary. It's just how, how you perceive Dickinson, but I just didn't think it almost would have been weird if he won, honestly, like the way I was feeling when he came out, when the match started, I was like, Oh, I don't know that this feels like you're on that level. So uh, that, that hurt the match for me. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like, I don't know how I felt coming out, but definitely the match was structured in a way that it was like Keith Lee was clearly a notch above. Um, Yeah. And and maybe that's the right story. If that's what you want to, if that's what you want to do. We were just both saying, we thought it was a good opportunity to elevate Dickinson and Jaka. Yeah. And I'm not sure they took advantage of that, even though Jaka beat Keith Lee. Right. I'm still not sure they're coming out of the weekend. I feel like they're at a higher level than I did before last week. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, after the match, uh, Stokely Hathaway gets in Keith Lee's face, and that gives Tracy Williams the opportunity to attack Keith Lee from behind. Tracy and Stokely uh, together, of course, fully 50% uh, for each of them, uh, deliver a powerbomb to Keith Lee. And Stokely, of course, takes a moment to flex. Like, I get it. Tracy Williams tells everybody that's how it's done. And uh, then, like... I felt this was this felt really awkward at the time. Like Lee, he sells the power bomb, but then he like is able to get up well enough so that he can cut the babyface promo to end the show. Right, and right. So uh, he talks about how he's tired of uh, getting his ass kicked, which is weird because he never loses. And uh, he lost so Saturday. Have... Well, okay, but you know what I mean. Or maybe I mean, yeah, he never loses except for the night before. <laughs> All right, eat shit, AT. And uh, that was straight from Dirty Daddy's mom to your yeah. ears. Yeah. Um, and he says he's gonna he's gonna you know take all his pent up frustration out on Tracy Williams and Ar Fox. So that's the end of the show, and then AT scarf, and that's how the show ends. Yeah. Um. It's weird. It's like weird that um. Tracy Williams back in the mix after getting pinned twice this weekend. That's why, like, I we were talking about this earlier before we went on the air, but like, the Evolve title feels so much more meaningful than the to like the WWN title. Just feels like it was the title for that you fought for when you had a personal issue with Matt Riddle, and now it's kind of the title. Although, like, Ar Fox is definitely going for the title, but like, it also just feels like kind of like like with him getting mad at Tracy Williams, it just feels like in the Chris Dickinson match too it was just sort of like. I'm pissed off at this guy. I have this title. This is a title match. Um, yeah, and even even AR Fox's story is like, well, I've already had the Evolve title, so I just kind of want yeah. to get the WWN title. Right. So yeah, it feels like the Evolve title is like superior. Um, but but it, but yeah, it's it's like I don't know. It fe- it feels like you could have Tracy Williams really get in a groove in this tag team with Dom Greeny, and it seems like. I'm not really clamoring for him to have this main event against Keith Lee. Um, it just feels kind of like, you know, a step backwards from like the company's current direction. Yeah, it's weird. We were talking about last month, like, oh, are they cycling? Yeah, him out. out. And they even then, of- I was like, oh, and they found a great spot for him. Like this tag team. Like I'm into this right. tag team. I thought he, like, I thought he looked great this weekend. Um, and, and so. It was like, okay, I guess they're going back to like Chasey Williams and Keith Lee and like a rematch from like the abysmal like Atlanta show where they were just like brawling and the match stopped. 
that they had, um, they did have, they had a good, good matches, really good match in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying like, it'd be bad even, but it's just like, I don't care about it. Right. And it also just seems weird that it's like, he's like, you know, Tracy Williams and A.R. Fox are like the next guys up, but Keith Lee beat him or sorry, Jocka beat him on Saturday. So you're like, I don't know. So on one hand, you're like, I don't know. It's like after last month's show, it seems like there were clear directions. And after this show, it just feels like it feels like they've opened up a lot of paths for themselves. Right. Like you have Keith Lee with the WWN championship. And he could defend against, you know, hot sauce, AR Fox and uh, Jocka. And you have Zack Sabre Jr. with the Evolve title and he's being chased by, you know, Austin Theory and Darby Allen's coming for him still. Um, and then, you know, well, and Wal- Walter, Walter, Walter beat him. So that's, title that's three. Each of them have like three challengers kind of coming out right. of this weekend. But and all of those are objectively much more interesting than the WWE. Oh, ab- oh absolutely. Yeah, the Evolve Championship is the true world championship. Yeah, duh. No disrespect to Keith Lee, who was really no. good in that Chris Dickinson match. I think sometimes we like undersell him, but he's such a presence. And, uh, yeah. I really liked him in the in the Jocka match. I, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I just, I get tired of this story with Keith Lee that like, oh, now he's serious. Right, right. The story, and that's the thing. It's like, it feels like Keith Lee and Matt Riddle are like duplicative characters in the sense that like both of their characters are like, we're like cool, chill dudes who are like very charismatic and have great matches. Um, and we're like that until we get angry. And then we get angry for a little while. We conquer the challenge, and then we're like not angry anymore. Like even that last man standing match that they had, where they kind of had that feud, never really developed into like a true blood feud that would have been really interesting. Um. So I don't know. I feel like like Riddle got there in the the Tracy Williams match, and that was like and his and his Chuck Taylor match. So it's like when he gets to that place, I think he's more compelling but like i think both of those guys are like you're kind of you feel like you're kind of on a carousel with them where it's like oh we're chill we're chill oh here's they get like someone kind of pokes them in the eye and now they're angry and then they're back to being it feels like almost like kind of like hogan-esque or like sort of like a wwe character where it's like they have the foes who get them mad and then they vanquish them and then they're like kind of back to where they started um i mean his wrestling style has changed a little bit and that he's doing fewer flips and he's like a little more so using a size more, but you still never like, like in that match at Laboom, you know, they started chanting friendly fellow at him and he was like, not, not tonight, not anymore. But then like later in the match, he was like, this is Mewtwo's house. And you're like, all right, like, no, you're that guy. That's fine. But you just feel like with these guys, you're kind of like waiting for some kind of, you have two guys who are two of the three big stars in the company. And it feels like it's just kind of like, the same story that they tell with them. And it kind of always ends up in the same place. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's hard to disagree with. Uh, I think that's everything from evolve 98 and evolve 99. Do you have anything else you want to add AT? Uh, no, we really talked. Yeah. We, we talked a lot. So uh, I hope this is a good episode because it's, it's long as shit. So. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. be back next month, uh, February 17th and 18th. We'll be Evolve 100 and Evolve 101. It's going to be a lot harder to say those names now that we've gotten into three digits. Um, 
They're in the boom for 100, right? So uh, yeah, and then 101 is in uh, Joppa. Okay. Okay. All right. So we'll be back, of course, to talk about those. I'm sure there'll be a lot going on. I would expect we'll start hearing some more uh, Mania Weekend announcements from here uh, leading up to the next show. So make sure that you are following us on Twitter at EvolvePod, where we'll be talking about those uh, updates as they come in. And uh, make sure that you're subscribing to the show. You can subscribe to us at the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Or you can just subscribe to Everything Evolves, our feed. You can get us on iTunes or on any podcast app. You can get us on Google Play. So uh, make sure that you're getting Everything Evolves as soon as it's released uh, two times a month. So I think that's it. You have anything else to add, AT? Uh, no. We Sorry, I had, a feeling that, I had a feeling you had something else you wanted to say, so I apologize. Is there something else I should well, – did I miss anything? No, no, no. I just thought that uh, I got the sense from you that you had one more thing you wanted to say. Uh, no, my scarf is good. <laughs> this was a great ending to the show, yeah. I think. All right. Uh, for Aaron, I'm Aaron. We're the wrong boys. We'll see you next time. again lunch will it be the same old same old or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new jamaican jerk turkey sub at firehouse subs freshly sliced smoked turkey breast craveably sweet mustard sauce and a hint of caribbean seasoning just 555 for a medium save time order the new jamaican jerk turkey sub on the firehouse subs app firehouse subs enjoy more subs save more lives participating locations limited time only plus tax prices may vary for delivery